0: Chris Moore talks about how he and his canine partner Zika, were part of an operation to capture a capital murder suspect.
1: So the cousin is in on this at this point. Yes, like they're gonna, they they, they just don't want him to die. So they they want him to be taken into custody because they don't want him to die. Um, I during the brief, I have I voiced my objections. I'm like, hey, this guy has already killed multiple people, um, and we're gonna go into a public area, right? <laughs> you know, in a large parking lot. So this is not gonna end well. Anyway, um, it is what it is because that's where they had set it up, the, the, the family. So we end up having to roll with it. This guy, they pull up. They got eyes on him, and I'm staged off in the back uh, the parking lot, you know, kind of discreetly. Normally, I get Zico out of the car door, but in this case, I opened the center partition in my car, and I just grabbed him from my car, and he exits the, the patrol to my door with me. Anyway, so the guy pulls in. They get out. And they start walk. Well, he, you know, his spidey senses or, you know, he's he's nervous or whatever. And he's he's looking around and he's real nervous. So he sees the uh, what we call the contact team approaching. Welcome to Game of Crimes.
0: Well, I hope I'm going to make it through this episode because I'm being attacked by my cat. She thinks it's time to eat as we get ready to do yet another episode, episode 49 of Game of Crimes. Welcome, welcomes, players, playerettes, dudes, and dudettes, and everything in between. I am Morgan Wright, your big host on the show, and I am joined literally by my partner in crime, who I meet at the airport occasionally, every now and then.
2: (laughs) Steve Murphy, and you can call me Murph. Welcome back. Oh, my God. (laughs) This... This Number one,
0: this is going to be a fun episode, but number two, um, we just, I mean, it's like we're going to do a couple canine episodes back to back, but yeah. I have my own problems with animals. Mm-hmm. I have a cat who doesn't realize daddy has to do a podcast and <laughs> is climbing all over my desk wanting to eat. So if you hear a meow in the background, it's not me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> they are good looking cats, I have to say. They
0: are good looking cats and they're so friendly. They're, they're very, very loyal. So, hey, guys, everybody, welcome back. Thank you for joining us. Just a little bit of quick housekeeping before we talk about what's coming up. Hey, go over on Hippo, hit that hip, hippo. 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 Hippos. Speaking of hippos, we may talk about that for episode 50. But Apple, Apple and Spotify have five stars, both of them. Go over and just hit those five stars. Leave us a review. We certainly appreciate it. Also, head on over to our website. Game of podcast.com. Everything's over there. Uh, we've, we've got all of our books uh, on that as well, too, all of our guests who have written books we have up there. We've got merch, uh, our mailing list. Also, follow us on the social media at Game of Crimes on Twitter, at Game of Crimes Podcast on Facebook and the Instagram. But where you got to be, where you got to be, where you got to be is Patreon. And Steve, we just recorded another hilarious episode of You Can't Make <laughs> This Shit Up. And I'm telling you, <laughs> Some of these stories, you can't make this shit up. It is like I, I was dying laughing just trying to get through a couple of these stories, too.
2: You're not kidding. I, it just brings criminality to a whole new level of stupid. And so many of these guys that we talked about, guys and girls, um, are just bringing a really bad name to criminals worldwide. So you guys need to clean up your ranks.
0: Boy, I'll tell you what. And there's a couple of them that need some things cleaned out, too. So, um <laughs> Well, not that one guy. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's just everything falls out of him, man. There's nothing there. There's there, there's no more sphincter control on a couple of these guys. Uh, true, so anyway, true. anyway, that's where you got to be, though. Patreon.com slash Game of Crimes. Join us. We got great stuff coming up. We've got our live stream where we review movies. Uh, you guys pick. We put it out there. Uh, we've got a lot of great stuff, too. 911, what's your emergency? We're working on our upcoming new special called DEA Narcos, talking about the real DEA Narcos Cali edition with Chris Feistel and Dave Mitchell telling you. We we're up to 14 episodes now. I think we'll hit 16 by the time we're done. The most in-depth story you've ever heard. Don't have to read it. Just listen to the studs talk about what they did down in Cali to bring down the Cali cartel.
2: It's phenomenal. I, I've learned so much from these guys. It's exciting to listen to them. It's amazing, the, the bravery and the tenacity, the dedication to completing their mission that you're going to hear. So really, you do. I'm, I'm in awe of these guys. And, and they were doing stuff in Columbia that Javier and I weren't doing. So it's, it's, it's just very cool. Very, very cool.
0: Yeah, like um, there was something they were about to do in episode, at the end of episode 12, taking one for the team, that you and Javier never had to do. So. Damn right. <laughs> you will have to listen to that one to find out what it is. Okay. Yep. All right. So also head on over to paypal.com. Use our email game of crimes podcast at gmail.com or paypal.me slash game of crimes, whatever it makes it easier for you to support the show and help us bring you just fabulous content. But quick disclaimer, this is a show about crime. We talk about bad people doing bad things and bad people doing stupid things and bad things to good people. We take the story seriously, but
2: but ladies and gentlemen, you know, us. we never take ourselves serious. This is going to be a lot of fun.
0: And before we can get to the fun, we've got to get to the next fun part. So I have to ask you the question, Murph. Do you know what time it is? I know what
2: time it is. It's time for Small, Small Town, Town Police Blotter.
0: Hey, oh, yes. you're getting faster at that, man. You can see you're out of Florida for just a couple days and already things are speeding up <laughs> mentally and cognitively.
2: I'm out of my turtle atmosphere right now.
0: Uh, so, Steve, you ever responded to a call as a uniform police officer where somebody said, hey, I heard threats. They said, like, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to shoot mm-hmm. you. I'm going to do stuff. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, a caller in the 500 block of West Dunbar Avenue reported that her neighbor was making banging noise and screaming, I'm going to expletive kill you. Probably I'm going to fucking kill you. Police made contact with a neighbor who said he was threatening his roommate's cat because it spilled water on the carpet. Police determined the man didn't actually mean any harm to the cat since it was in the bathroom for a air quotes, time out when officers arrived.
2: Oh, good Lord. Jeez. (laughs) Well, you know what? You got no reason to to be mean to a cat. It does piss you off sometimes, but damn, you don't have to kill it. Well, it's not a
0: crime to threaten to kill a cat. Cats are are not humans, but I'll tell you what, though. You got to be careful, man. Cats will claw your eyes out while you're sleeping, but not my cats. My cats love me.
2: The Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals will get your butt too. That's serious stuff.
0: So will I. Speaking, uh, speaking yeah. of speaking uh, of animals and serious stuff, Steve, this comes to us now from Winchester, Oklahoma, population five hundred and sixteen. Salute. Salute, Steve. You ever get called to a disturbance
2: mm-hmm. as a cop? Oh you yeah, ever? hated
0: it. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is this. I've never been to this kind of a disturbance. Disturbance caused by animals Uh-oh. with guns. Oh, on Sapsucker Road.
2: Well, that's a good name.
0: <laughs> I'm sorry. How do animals have guns? I tell, mean, tell us more. <laughs> they don't have opposable thumbs. How are they going to hold something and pull the trigger? That's
2: right. Good question.
0: Uh, this is fake news. I got to I got to I got to drill down on this and find out what was what the hell's going on in Winchester, Oklahoma, population 516 where they they feel is crime so bad you have to arm the animals. <laughs> Inquiring minds want to know. <laughs> All right. This one comes to us uh, closer to my area, not your – well, technically your area because you're filming it right now Uh, somewhere in Virginia. We won't disclose your actual location um, because it's a hotel room and you're trying to stay covert and undercover. But this comes to us out of Falston, Maryland, population 8,958. Salute. Steve, you know the old World War, you know, or the old military saying, you know, somebody's approaching to go friend or enemy. Uh Uh-huh. Well, this one is friend or enema. After giving himself an enema, a false demand reportedly became extremely confused and argumentative.
2: Uh, and. That's it?
0: <laughs> friend or enema. That says it all. That says Let's don't go all. there, literally. <laughs> all right, so I saved this last one for last because, again, you can't make this shit up. This is kind of an homage to the episode we just did. Okay. Steve. Yes. Have you ever had people who, like, had a hard time showing up to court, you know, wouldn't—you uh, know, you put out a warrant for oh, the arrest, yeah. and then when you finally get them— And judges normally, when they do that, they revoke their bond, right? Mm-hmm. Because if you don't show up right— Yep. Unless you're Susan Lynn of Rio Del, California, population 3,400. Salute. Salute! She was picked up on six warrants alleging petty theft, public drunkenness, child abandonment, possession of a hypodermic needle, possession of a fraudulent check— five vehicle code violations, and 23 counts of failure to appear in court after being released on her own recognizance. So what kind of a bond do you think she got?
2: Personal recognizance.
0: She was later released on her own recognizance.
2: (laughs) (laughs) 23 times, so now it's 24 times. Where was that at? This Rio Del, California. Well, there you go. That explains it all right there, doesn't it? Oh, my God.
0: Well... That explains what's coming up, because we kind of had an animal theme here, you know, for some of our stuff. And this next one is a, a continuation of our animal theme, because we had a great episode with Randy Tooman. I mm. mean, just the stories, what, what these, think about it, enough fentanyl to kill half the state of Texas. Technically, it's the Republic of Texas. They like to be called the Republic. But $100 million worth of fentanyl.
2: Unbelievable. Unfreaking believable. These guys are, I mean, what they're doing out there with their dogs, they're superstars.
0: Man, well, and this so now we got Chris Moore coming up too. Chris is with the Harris County Sheriff's Office down in Texas. He's got a different type of dog. So Randy was basically a narcotics dog, you know, working dog like that. Now Chris has a patrol dog, you know, and a tracking dog, and so we're going to get into a couple of stories, uh, you know, that Chris has. And a, I mean, one of them is. We're going to talk about them going after a capital murder suspect and the things that you have to do, you know, especially when you've got a fugitive task force after this guy, your concerns about that. And then the, then we tell another story, too, about—and I will tell you, I don't want to give too much away, but let's put it this way. I will tell you right now, Chris saved this guy's life by using his dog. Yeah you know, in the second one. So I I just, and it's just amazing when you see the loyalty these guys have uh, to their animals and their, and the handlers have to their dogs and vice versa. I mean, these, these dogs are just amazing.
2: And thank you to Christy Schiller again for introducing us to Chris. And if you remember from some of the previous episodes, check Christy out at Canines for Cops and Canines for Kids. Uh, Unbelievable what she's doing to support law enforcement around the country.
0: Yeah, caninesforcops.org. Go over there, hit that Donate button, help support the cause. And like the other thing, Chris, I'll give you one quick stat he said out of his episode. He said that they haven't bought a dog, I think, since 2012 or 13. Over 40 dogs have been supplied to Harris County. Wow, fantastic.
2: Alone. And I think I think, this, I think uh, Canines for Cops has donated over 300 dogs now to law enforcement agencies.
0: I think we estimated the value alone at that, Out of all the dogs, I mean, had to be, I can't remember what he said, you know, like couple hundred million or something. I mean, I just, I forgot, but it's like, it's, it, it is an amazing number. Um, and these guys are good, but the only way we're going to find out about the story, Steve, is for us not to talk about it and for us to actually bring on somebody who knows something about this. So I have to ask you to get ready for this, Steve, let's get ready to rumble. Are you ready to play the biggest, baddest, most dangerous game of all the original unadulterated and pet friendly game of crimes?
2: Here we go. Everyone get in, sit down, shut up and hold on Let's talk about Chris and his dog. We'll put it on pause. Well,
0: here we go, folks. We're recording and already we're talking about the, uh, the bowel habits of males <laughs> over 60. <laughs> it's a good thing you guys missed that. Uh, Chris, you're not over 60, are you? I am not yet. Not yet. Anyway, guys, hey, welcome back. This is Game of Crimes. And as you guys heard in our intro, this is the, another installment of some brilliant work Christy Schiller has done. And she has found brilliant people, which is me and Murph, to go find more brilliant people like our next <laughs> guest. So, Chris Moore, welcome to Game of Crimes podcast, buddy. No, hello. Thank you for having me.
2: Absolutely. Great to have you here, Chris. Thanks for, for coming on the show. And it's, uh, it's a true honor. To have you. For those that y'all forget about Christy, Canines for Cops, Canines for Kids. Look it up.
0: Yeah, and uh, donate. Go over there and donate and uh, do well because if you don't, she will track you down. She's got three hundred cops on speed dial with dogs. She will find your ass. (laughs) And that's (laughs) that's not a joke. (laughs) Oh no, I know. (laughs) No, she is a a force of nature, which is so. As we do with everything, Chris, let's talk about this thing of ours. How did you get involved in this thing of ours? We called law enforcement because uh, during the pre-call we talked a little bit. uh, you got some good training because uh, your dad was Army, which even though you ended up going into the Marines, as we'll find out, which was a career path, maybe you should have rethought. But anyway, but you started off good training by your dad going to the Army. So let's talk about how did you get into the thing of ours? You started off by serving our country first. How'd you do that?
1: Well, um, you know, uh, real quick story. I was uh, fresh out of high school and my dad, uh, blue collar, um, you know, he spent, I think, 12 years in the Army. Um, mm-hmm. He told me- And where me, were you living at at the time? Uh, I, I grew up in upstate New York um, Oswego area. And, uh, my dad told me at 18 that you could either get a job, pay rent, go to, go to college or get out and join the military. Cause you can't live here for free. Um, and so I decided that I was going to try college for about six months. I did a whole lot of drinking, um, didn't do any studying and, uh, realized that maybe I needed a different path. Um, buddy of mine, um, I've always wanted to be in law enforcement. So a buddy of mine at the time, why? Um I just always was I was always fascinated with law enforcement um uh, the 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 nature of it just the uh you know looking for bad guys catching criminals uh helping people that always intrigued me um and as you know as I got more into it the more you get more intrigued right you find out about the specialty things you find out about all the cool high speed low drag stuff right and then you're like oh my god that's cool so what mm-hmm. were what were your favorite tv shows Jeez um I probably date myself a little bit um I grew up Hey, you're younger than we yeah. are. <laughs> so you know, I, I didn't watch
0: Mars was Car fifty four, Where Are You? That was you know, yeah.
1: you know, I I don't really I don't really recall a whole bunch of T V shows. Like, I mean, you know, I grew up in an age where, you know, it was like come out, you know, come back in when the lights street lights come on. Um didn't didn't watch a whole lot of television. I could tell you like maybe like the A team or something, you know, we watched as kids or something, but um nothing specific that that really As you ask me, I'm like, man, I don't know of any TV shows that, you know, really.
0: We were just wanting to make sure it wasn't Miami Vice because everybody we've talked to that have gone to narcotics (laughs) or stuff. Everybody watched Miami Vice.
1: No, and I didn't have any of those pants either. I didn't have any Z (laughs) Cavarici pants or anything like that growing up.
0: See, Murph, not everybody, not everybody liked Miami Vice, huh?
2: What what kind of pants?
1: The, you know the big balloon jean pants that were like pleated and stuff that everybody wore back
0: yeah, in the that 90s. John Johnson wore and that yeah. Hugo Boss suit and whatever else,
1: yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah see, I don't even know what they're called. See? <laughs> but I'm an, I love my we will get you a set. <laughs> no, thank you. no, thank you. I'm a little low for that now. I'm uh, getting shorts. All right. So
0: you always loved law enforcement and so but you decided to go why'd you why'd you pick military?
1: Um, well, because I knew that, so I'd always wanted to be a policeman and you either, back when I came up, you either had to have college and or military experience. It was a combination or one or the other in order to get law enforcement. You couldn't just come with a high school diploma in, in many places. Um, so I, I decided that I wanted to go the military route because it would pay for college and it would also give me the experience training. I decided I wanted to enlist and become a military policeman. Uh, initially, because my, my dad, I joined, uh, I signed up with the army. Um, and then I was supposed to enlist and, uh, a Marine Corps recruiter had been, um, you know, talking to me, of course, but the, the, the army had the better bonuses, a bigger, you know, it's a bigger branch and they had bigger signing bonuses. So, you know, it's where the money is. So I was going to sign with the army until I found out that he had, he had told me I would be a military police, but on my paperwork, it said 11 Bravo, which anybody knows is 0311 in the Marine Corps. It's a grunt. infantry. Um, yeah, so uh, the day I was at MAPS to uh, swear in, I had, Which I was all, MAP, um, I don't know what the acronym stands for. But was basically that the it's processing where you, center or something? The, yeah, military something enlistment processing? processing or something like System. that. It's where you go to swear in and do all your paperwork with the recruiter before they ship you off to boot camp. Um, so the day I went to MAPS to finalize my enlistment uh, with the Army, I found out that I was, you know, slated to go Army or uh, uh, Infantry. And I was all disgruntled and I was walking past the recruiter's office and the Marine Corps recruiter that I had been talking to saw me. He said, Hey, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm here to enlist. he goes, come here. Pulled me in his, you know, they're shady. You know, they just want to get that number and everybody's got to hit their number. Yeah. You know, you'll do Can you, can you fog a spoon? You'll do Come here. Um, so he calls me in there. He goes, you want to be military police, right? He goes, I got a, he showed me on the chart, you know, they got these little back then it was all on paper. 5811, which is military police and it i think this was in january and he goes it's it, you leave february you know at the time he said february 21st i said that's guaranteed he goes yeah i said i'll sign it right now i signed it right then <clears throat> as we're as i'm walking I, I blew off the army recruiter i'm walking up to the the master sergeant's office with the marine and the army guy sees me and then, then the shitstorm erupts these two guys get into a, a pissing contest right because the army guy outranks the Marine Corps guy by like, he's E6 and the Marine Corps is E5. Um, so they're, they're, you know, they're having a pissing match. And finally we get up to what we call top master sergeant's office. And he's the head, head motherfucker in charge at the, at the map center. H M F I C baby. That's right. And That's he, it. and he says, uh, I didn't know it at the time, but I think I was telling you during the pre interview, um, I, I didn't realize the, 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 the nature of this, but when he put the army guy that was getting, the army guy was getting hot. Um, but he put the army guy in parade rest, which is basically shut your mouth and come to attention and stand there and, you know, sit there and look pretty. And, uh, in hindsight, I was like, Oh, he just got punked. You know, he, he mm-hmm. punked him, put him in parade rest. <laughs> and then he says, he asked me, he goes, you know, Mr. Moore, where do you want to go? And I, I said, look, master Sergeant, I said, I wanted to go with the army originally, uh, because of, you know, X, Y, and Z I said, but I found out he told me, uh, a white lie, let's call it. And I said, I just signed up with the uh, Marine Corps. Is that what you want to do? I said, Yes, sir. He goes, You're done. This meeting is over. And uh, I ended up going, That's
2: somebody making a decision. That, yeah. That,
1: they were never afraid to make decisions, even if they were stupid, but you, somebody's making a decision.
2: <laughs>
1: stupid
0: decisions are usually made by E3s and O1s. So <laughs>
1: this is true.
0: Um, by the way, do you know who the most dangerous man in the Army is, Chris? No. Second lieutenant with a map and compass. So.
1: <laughs> Only if you listen to him.
0: <laughs> Only if you listen to him. Or the, what's the, the other thing, too, is uh, what's the most dangerous person in the airman? It's, it's a first lieutenant that says, sir, I have an idea. No, shut That's the hell it. up. Anyway.
1: Well, you know, it's funny in the Marine Corps, it's actually in, I, I forget, what the, but the regulations that a second lieutenant, you can call, you either have to call him sir or you can call him Mr., It's like, it's almost like they, they, they're punking the second lieutenant right off the bat, you know, because, you know, I mean, they're fresh out of college, they're green under the, you know, you know, wet under the ears and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, you're supposed, you're taught in military to respect rank, but you also see it in, in reality. I had a master gunnery sergeant put, tell a, tell a a first lieutenant to get out of his office. So a senior enlisted guy, you know, he didn't give a shit. He'd been there 25 years, salty. And he told he was going to chew my ass. And he you told a senior NCO who's salty like that. Yeah. He told him, hey, you can wait outside, Lieutenant. And the Lieutenant said, yes, sir, <laughs> and left. I was like, damn. So. <laughs>
0: <laughs> kind of reminds All me right. of a heartbreak, Ridge, when you're watching, you know, uh, Clint Eastwood. Exactly. You know, like He's got the C- Congressional Medal of Honor thing there, d- dicking around with that major who's kind of an asshole. But the, So how long did you spend serving our country as a Marine, now formerly on active duty?
1: Uh, I did four years. What, what was
0: what was uh, where'd you go? Where were you stationed?
1: Um, I actually was stationed. It was it's closed now, um, but it was Marine Corps Air Station Altoro on the West Coast in uh, sunny California.
0: Well, it's closed because it got blown up in the movie uh, Independence Day.
1: That and all the toxins <laughs> that they had in there. I mean, just, you know, the, can't, the the carcinogens. I guess they filled the the water table with that and then moved. You know, well, so. those damn aliens. That's what it was. You shoot down all those spaceships and it caused all that toxic stuff. It, it did. It did. They've actually got it's funny, they got websites about all that stuff. It's it's crazy to realize how much like, you know, jet fuel and, and
0: you know well, that's just, what's happening over in Hawaii right mm-hmm. now. The navy's closing down that one fuel depot in Hawaii because it was has been leaking
1: for like forty years. Is that all? You know, I mean, you know, it's, it's <laughs> crazy. It's just broke in. Right. in the Marine Corps, that's just broke in good. You know, that's that's, that's
0: we're just getting there. We're just, yeah. just almost in its prime. So what you do? So I uh, assume then uh, you were able to fulfill your role as military police in the Marine Corps.
1: Yeah, um, actually, it's kind of like you know uh, a self fulfilling prophecy. You know, I I got to be military police, um, and uh, I I got to choose. You know, when you sign up, you get to choose like three duty stations. You know, like your wish list. Mm-hmm. You never get them, but anyway, they make you feel good for thirty you know, like, seconds. You think about it, um, and then they send you where they want you. But I got I got stationed in El Toro, California. And um, El Toro at the time. Would you want to go? Um, I did actually wanted to go West Coast, but I wanted to go to Pendleton. Um, but you don't get to say, "Hey, I want to go." You know, here it's just East Coast, West Coast, or overseas. That's what you get to pick. Well, I mean, hell, El Toro. Is, if, if if there was ever a an argument for people reenlisting, send them to El Toro. It was like, I mean, you live in like Laguna Beach for on government housing, right? Like, how could you afford to live in Southern California except for in government housing? You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I it was, I had a wow. blast. Um, but in any case, um, El Toro had one of the full time, there was only three in the Marine Corps. They had one of the full time, uh, special response teams, which is like a tactical response. Um, and military police Mm -hmm. did that. So I started out, you know, your typical gate duty, patrol duty, all that stuff. But then ultimately I got assigned to the special response team. Um, and that's where I first got introduced to tactical stuff and, you know, SWAT, SWAT and all that good stuff. Um, and the canines, El Toro also had a canine program, a full kennel on base, et cetera, et cetera. So I got to, in a, I don't know what you want to call it, but a limited environment. I got to see all the specialty stuff that law enforcement does, you know, in a very small pond, right? Like you get to see it, I guess, um, sheltered, right? You know, so it was, it was cool, but it opened my eyes and and it made me want to do more things. Mm
0: -hmm. You know, I got to tell you, um, I was always impressed. Uh, it's like Murph, you know, he used to be a railroad cop and in all his time, nobody ever stole a railroad car. Not once. And I, that's I done good, didn't I? Yeah, you did good. And mm-hmm. that's my whole thing. In, in 200 years of guarding gates uh, with Marines, nobody has ever stolen a single gate. So I salute you for that. My 100%
1: friend. successful. I mean, yeah.
2: <laughs> hey, Chris. People can be a leader or be a follower. We decided to be leaders. That, right? That's it. it.
0: But I, I will tell you this though: the one thing I really appreciated the Marines for. We had a chance to. Uh, I did some stuff for the State Department uh, over in Pakistan, post one at the embassy. There were all all the Marines. You know, and people don't realize there's not a large contingent at, at a lot of these embassies. It's not like you see on the movies, right? Where you got you know a whole brigade of Marines. No, you're lucky if you got what twelve. Yeah, twelve to twenty. Some of these. Yeah, yeah. But they're highly trained, and let me tell you, we had one phone, and it would, had one number on it, and you press and held one for post one, and four Marines in a car would come extract your ass if you got into trouble. So we made friends with them.
1: Yeah, definitely.
2: Not to mention in an embassy environment, they're the ones that go around and search the offices at nighttime. When they find classified stuff, you get a pink slip. And if you get three pink slips, you get kicked out of country. So it behooves you to be That's right. Which we
0: discussed about, which would be episode (laughs) 14 of The Real Narcos, talking about The Real Narcos, Cali edition. And you can only find where, Murph?
2: On Patreon at Game of Crimes. Patreon.com slash
0: Game of Crimes. See how we shamelessly plug even our Patreon channel while we're doing interviewing a stud like Chris Moore. We're cheesy. We're cheesy. Smooth. Smooth. Smooth smooth I'm telling you smooth <laughs> smooth operator so uh so you I like do, this guy <laughs> so you do 4 years serving our country uh why did you why did you decide not to reenlist what what was your decision to move move on
1: um well i mean ultimately you know the marine corps is fun um i'll, I'll say that you and of course the older you get you only remember the fun times you don't remember all the all the stuff they make you do um but i i was in southern california um i had the opportunity to do a lot of special details uh, went down and did presidential detail with, um, uh, I'll hate to say this, but Bill Clinton during my time um, and went down to Argentina, spent some time in South America, had a good time. Um, but I knew, I knew when I got back, I had missed my window to get shipped overseas because every year, every four year deployment, you're going to go and do a, a ten year overseas if you're a Marine. So I knew when I got back that I was going to get shipped to Okinawa or Iwakuni, uh, Japan. And being that my goal was to be in law enforcement civilian law enforcement that would jeopardize you know it's hard to do things from you know overseas um we don't have we didn't have, the internet was just coming online right um so you didn't have the ability you could do things now, so I knew that if I went over there, I'd never be as happy as I had been in California and I knew that i w- it would jeopardize me getting um the ability to you know uh feed on the pavement kind of thing and and put my applications in and do all the things that I wanted to do to become law enforcement so i Get I got out while the getting was good.
0: So where were you at when you uh, punched out? Were you it's still El El Toro?
1: I was at El Toro. Um, I like I said. I, they gave me they the major the XO called me in and he said uh, gonna wanna, you gonna you want to reenlist because I'd been considering it. <clears throat> And in one hand, he has my reenlistment papers. and the other hand, he has orders for me to go to Okinawa, Japan, you know. So I was like, no, I'm good. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm out.
2: Um, I'm good. Wow. Wow. Talk about baiting you. Yeah. Yeah. Sign, oh, wait, so sign the,
1: here. Yeah.
0: Sign here. So you're the proud owner now of a DD-214. Where do you go after that?
2: Um,
1: so uh, funny story is, you know, so I, I was in 94 to 98. And um, I don't know if you guys are familiar, but back in in that time, um, affirmative action was coming up real big. And I tried to get hired on in California because I didn't want to go back to New York because I didn't want to go to the snow, honestly. Uh, So I wanted to get in law enforcement either, uh, you know, in in somewhere warm. So I applied with LAPD and a recruiter calls me and basically tells me, he goes, you know, um, you're not a female and you're not a minority. We got a thousand guys just like you. Um, He he wasn't being mean about it. He's just like, hey, you know, you don't have a very good chance of getting hired right now because due to the fact that we have to um, they had they had to catch up. Right. They had to you know, they they were so lacking in minority and female applicants that they were getting priority over average, you know, white male with bad credit, right? I mean, you know, that's got a hundred thousand of those guys,
0: which is every E3, E4 in the military, right? They got a, they buy a car at $900 a month with 18% interest.
1: Exactly. Um, so, uh long story short, through some context that I had, um, I ended up coming to Texas, um, with the guarantee that I was going to get fast tracked, uh, into the Harris County Sheriff's office. So, I come to move everything I have in my little car to Houston, Texas, and the fast track that I'm supposed to be on ends up being a year and a half, and where I end up working as the paint department manager at the local Home Depot, um, because the fast track, you know, the brother-in-law didn't really come through. So I was the uh, spring Texas paint department manager for a year and a half. Um, finally get my phone call, um, and with the sheriff's office, you have to become a detention officer first, so then, uh, which means you work the jail. Um, so I got my phone call and then I 99, I, uh, February 99, I go to, um, the jail, start working as a detention officer. Uh, and then up until I want to say it was May of 2000, something like that. I believe, uh, I got to go, you know, based on seniority, how long you've been employed is how they pulled the, um, the cadet class for police officer. So I got to go to the police officer Academy in May of 2000, graduated in October of 2000 and the rest is history. Wow. So
0: you, uh, you finally hit out. So uh, what's your, so, you know, we're going to get into your work with canines, but um, when you first get out, where do they assign you?
1: Uh, So I get out of the academy. And again, back in that time in the early, late nineties to early two thousands, everybody goes back to the jail. Um, You know, the sheriff's office responsibility is primarily the jail, according to um, you know, state law kind of thing, right? So went back, worked the jail for, I want to say a year and a half, maybe two years, where um, at the time they had this tactical team called the Emergency Response Team.
0: Well, let me get that clear. So you were in the jail, but they selected you to go to an academy class. So you went training to become a, a you know, sworn law enforcement officer, but you had to go back to the jail?
1: Correct. So then, you're, you dude. Who did you piss off? That's everybody, though. That wasn't <laughs> just me. Yeah. Um, so everybody goes back to the jail. You start off non-cert, what we call non-certified, as a detention officer. Go to the academy, get certified, and then come back as a, a certified peace officer. And then there was a gateway. You know, after after two years, you could uh, take the patrol test, do the gateways, and attempt to go to patrol. But be, based on funding and everything else, the patrol test, which died every year, right? It, it expired every year. They would take one or two, if any, a year. So like you got a hundred applicants, you know, young guys that want to go to patrol. And if you weren't one, good luck, see you next year kind of thing. It, just because of the way the funding was, right? They didn't have the positions, the payroll spots in patrol. Um, during that time, while I was on the patrol lists, um, uh, there was an opportunity presented to me to, uh, it was called the emergency response team, which We'll get into that later, but at the time, they told us it was the tactical team, right? Because the sheriff's office at the time did not have a full-time active SWAT team. They had an emergency response team, which was based in detentions, but had done some things outside the jail, had done some tactical stuff, but basically gets to train and you know wear all the, the cool shit and play, right? So um, young and naive, I signed up for that. Um, I think I spent four or five years doing that. Um, Had a good time. Again, I can't complain because even though we didn't do a whole bunch, they paid a lot of time and money for us to go do SWAT competitions. So, uh, you know, I'm getting paid to shoot bullets, run and PT on duty. You know, you can't really complain, right? It's not a, you know, uh, it wasn't a bad gig. Um, Not at all. I did that, had a good time. Um, A friend of mine you know, people get you know, reputation carries everything word of mouth, even even back then. And uh I'd always been a very um I guess stern looking person or you know, even as a young guy, had that military bearing, and they liked that. And the the person that did the PT, the physical training at the academy, uh had promoted and they needed to backfill his position. So they wanted a PT instructor and a military background to do um be we call it, you know if you're in the military you know what it's called the heavy right be the the bad guy right the, the, the drill instructor so they I uh, got asked to go out to the academy and be uh, a counselor a basic police counselor
0: you no 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 you were gonna be Sergeant Hartman weren't you, you uh, know, yeah. like in Full metal jacket you were Arlie Ermy you were other listen this is my rifle there are many like it right
1: exactly they, they you know so even you know everybody every generation talks about kindler gentler right so even back then. My definition of what hard was is not what somebody 10 or 20 years ago was because they, they, they tie your hands, right? Like we would say, hey, you failed this and you're gone. And they'd be like, no, give them another chance. You're like, well, what are we doing here? You know, but in any case.
2: Why do you have standards if you're not going to
0: enforce
1: them? Well, why have them?
0: And Chris, right. Chris, to your point, too, when I went through basic for Army, I was going into RTC, but we all went through Fort Leonard Wood 1979. All of my drill sergeants, Vietnam vets, these guys had seen the real shit. They had been there to watch people die, you know, and kill people. So our definition of if you, you know, suck it up, buttercup meant something different in 79 than it did in 99 yeah, or 2000. Exactly.
1: Then, oh, you're cold. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> you know, no one cares. You know, <laughs> um, you know, so a I, drill sergeants yelling at you. Nobody cares. But now you can hold a card up to say I'm being stressed,
1: it, you know, and that stuff right there. It's, it's amazing to me. But so I tried to bring that aspect. Now, again, it was, it was watered down again, because number one, we're not the Marine Corps. And number two, it's, you know, we're talking not to mid 2007, 2008, something like that. um, When I was an instructor, but I tried to bring a little bit of uh, cynicism and uh, you know, jaded personality to it for sure, you know, but I made it fun. So, you know, I would uh, I would punish them or I would uh, but everything with a lesson and almost to a cynical, you know, comic sense, right? Like, you know, we're, we're going to laugh at our own misery type stuff. You know, you try to harden these kids up a little bit.
0: Make the best of yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Gunnery Sergeant Hartman, how long did you last at the academy before either you decided to move on or they decided to move you on?
1: Well, it's it's funny. So I did, um, I did three cadet classes out there and they're about six months apiece. And then it was about, I think a little over two years I'd been out there and we got a new sheriff and the new sheriff decided that um, we were going to downsize and all this, you know, so on and so forth. He did everything by um, uh, department seniority. So, without going into the, the the drama of it, I was not a senior guy, uh, even though I had tenure at the academy, I had time in time in place there, but I did not have uh, department seniority. So, I got kicked out, uh, or I re- reassigned, um, and went back to the jail for six months before I got to get back out to patrol. So for about six months, I was driving to work with my pistol in my mouth because um, I was assigned to the jail, <laughs> you know, so. Um,
2: you might want to explain that to our listeners. Some of them don't quite understand.
1: So, I, it, you know, it's a joke, suicidal, because working, <laughs> working, working in detentions is, is not a glamorous job. It's not fun. It's very mundane. Uh, it, it's not anybody that wants to be a cop that, you know, wants a career as a cop versus somebody that... Just wants a paycheck, right? Somebody that has a calling to be a cop does not want to work in the jail. Somebody that wants to be a cop wants to go be on the streets, be with the citizens, do something, you know, what they would consider worthwhile. Not saying that the jail isn't worthwhile, just saying it's a different career path, right? And that's not the career path I wanted, so I was miserable. They want a different level of adrenaline and excitement, and you
0: just don't get that in the jail no, a lot of times.
1: No, you get to you know, okay, you know, uh, hey, pick up your 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 tray, inmate. You know, fold your laundry, inmate. No, that's not what I signed up for. Um, So anyway, six months of me petitioning and begging and, you know, making and sending flowers to the patrol major secretary, (laughs) basically making friends with her. Um, She she um, I got back out to patrol. Um, I went to patrol and uh, decided to make a point. Um, So for three years in a row, I led the I led the department, the agency in arrests um, before I went to K-9 uh so I, I had a outstanding i had i had a good time in law enforcement and in the patrol aspect of it from two thousand uh what was it I, I can't even remember but in any case i i um i had a lot of fun myself and another partner they we they realized that we were gonna go arrest people anyway so uh we actually they actually started um a formal proactive unit in our district because they knew that's what I was going to do anyway. Like might as well call it and say, it's our idea because he's going to go do it anyway. Um, So uh, (laughs) we went out there and, you know, basically just hit the high, the high crime areas um, for street level narcotics, weapons and stuff like that. And I, that's that to me, that's where it was at. That was fun, you know, chasing crooks. Well,
0: you're making a direct impact to your community, too. You are removing bad guys and girls off the street. You're at least trying to stop the scourge of some of those things, which now is fentanyl. But back then, what were you guys dealing with? PCP, meth,
1: what? The, the, the gamut. I mean, the, the you know, obviously everything from marijuana, which you know, whatever your your take is on marijuana, but you know, the main thing, marijuana is the gateway to crack cocaine, which we dealt a lot with, meth, um, ecstasy pills. Um a little bit of heroin. I didn't encounter a whole bunch. I mean here and there. Um it's a I guess it's a different demographic, I guess, from where I was working. And not to say that it wasn't prevalent, but the the majority of the people that I dealt with was crack, PCP, dip cigarettes type stuff, or ecstasy. Um on a on a daily basis and, and your typical you know firearms go with that type of stuff. So,
0: but you talked about
1: now and then getting into canines. So, did you get
0: into canines because of your work the previous three years in doing that, or simply because an opportunity opened up? You know, so tell us about how you got into how you the selection process worked for getting into canines.
1: Uh, so, with canine, um, oddly enough, he works for me now because I'm his supervisor. But he's a he's a good friend of mine. He's been my friend for about 20 years. Um, good friend, Larry Graves, he was a canine handler and we worked, um, an off duty extra job together. And, um, Larry had gone to canine and, you know, he knew how I worked and he, you know, so on and so forth. And he was basically, you know, like-minded people try to uh, cling together, so to speak. And they try to, uh, recruit people that are like-minded or the people that they think are going to be, uh, good handlers or workers. Uh, so Larry had petitioned me a couple times to you know, do it, and funny story is Larry had this crazy dog that he was training, and he'd come to work and he'd be all mauled up, and his arms were all cut up and bit with teeth marks and stuff. And he's like, "Man, you need to come to Canine." And I'm looking at him and I said, "Motherfucker, you're crazy! And get away from me with that shit." Um, so uh, this sounds very much like Ted
0: Dolan. If you go back and listen to his episode, Murph, remember that the crazy dog, the one where they basically had to hit him over the head because he had latched yeah. onto yeah. him. <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, that dog was a whole nother level of crazy. Um,
2: oh, you're not that
1: dog. <laughs> yeah. um, but Larry's dog was, Larry's dog, this dog was, uh, we'll just call it indiscriminate. <laughs> I like to say you'll do, right? He don't care who, he'll do. He'll bite you, he'll bite me, he, whatever. Everybody
0: tastes like chicken to a dog like that. That's
1: right. And so he ended up washing that dog out and getting a different one. But um, So Larry petitioned me, um, and then I, uh, I interviewed for the position, um, was the number one candidate. Um, got my first dog, Duke, in 2012. Hey, back up before we get into that. Why did you want
0: to, Is was canine something you aspired to do or did you, or because you saw what was going on, you wanted to do canine? Because I know you said you saw some of it back in the Marine Corps with their tactical stuff. You know, did you get an early on uh, an affinity for wanting to work canines or is that something that just developed uh, because of your friend,
1: Larry? Uh, no, not, not entirely because of Larry, but um, because I had seen it in, I always knew that I wanted to do something specialized, right? Like, so patrol is fun, but, but that's, that's a, I don't know what you want to call it.
0: That's call to call. You're humping it every day, that, that, you know, doing, responding to calls for service.
1: It, it gets, do, I mean, it's fun, but at the same time, it's, it's, it's finite if that makes sense. Like I, I, how many, you know, I, I think I arrested like a thousand people in three years, like literally a thousand people, you know what I mean? Like how long am I going to keep doing that? You know, so on and so forth. And, and I saw there tactical canine specialty units has always fascinated me Um, either one Um, but then I saw uh, the opportunity we still didn't have a tactical team but I saw what canines I had called Larry a couple times on some calls some dope calls as a patrolman I had gone on tracks with them and where we caught the bad guy and I'm like you know what this is another tool to make me a better at catching crooks right like I'm gonna take this to the next level yeah Um, so I was interested because it it was let's face it. I'll never be the eight, 18 year old crooks never get any older, right? They're always 18 and we all get older, right? But you can outrun me, but you can't <laughs> outrun my dog. And that's right. And so I was like, you know what, this is the next, next progression. This is, this is where it's at. I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fuck some people up basically. Like you, you, you're going to don't run for me. You're going to pay for it. Right. Kind of stuff.
0: As the U S marshals say, you can run, but you'll just go to jail tired. Exactly. Um, yeah. with, and probably hey, just
2: out of curiosity, Chris, did, did you grow up with kid uh, with dogs? You know, I did, I but remember, they weren't they weren't like with?
1: they weren't like you know working dogs. They're just pets, you know, my, right? my parents had a cockapoo, right, like a little you know poodle looking thing. Well, there's a fine patrol dog to put in your car with you your know house. fucking vicious, hey, right? Easy. That's <laughs> what
2: we that's what we had here in our house. It just passed away last year. I'm
1: sorry to hear that. Good dog, good dog, good family. That's dogs. the shitty part about having dogs, though, is eventually you know.
0: Yeah. Well you know, yeah. they do- dogs are and I you look, I'm like, we've got cats now, but I love dogs. My my uh uh daughter, son in law have dogs. They're I mean, they're great. Dogs are the only animals on earth that love you more than they love themselves. I think that's the best
1: way to describe it. Unconditionally, a dog.
2: Yeah. yes. I agree. I agree. Um
1: but uh you know, so long story short, I, I, I get selected. Um I uh inherit a dog from a handler. This long this handler passed away suddenly from a heart attack. So I get a dog that's about I think he was like seven years old, his name was Duke. Now, something to be said about Duke is Duke was phenomenal. So he's, I don't know if you know much about um, Europe and how they do these things, but they're, they title dogs over there, right? So it's like a a certification process. A dog does X, Y, Z, it gets scored on it and it gets titled. Okay. It's like a certificate of completion. Like, Hey, this dog performed this well and you got to have a minimum score to do so. This dog scored perfect on the pH one for KMPV and then only missed like four points on the ph2 and he was like third in the nationals when the dog was titled right so this is a bad motherfucker um but he was but he was also stubborn you know a good dog is a stubborn dog and um so we had our come to jesus meeting in my backyard um when we decided who was going to be alpha um and then from there we were good and um
0: well, How hard is it to inherit a dog from somebody else who's obviously got seven years or six years of, you know, working with somebody else and their mannerisms and their, uh, you know, idiosyncrasies? How
1: tough was it to get Duke to respond to you? Um, it's, it's kind of a mixed, mixed bag, right? So, like, the, you never know what somebody else has put into a dog. You never know the good, the bad, the you know the different right of what I do versus what you might do with a dog. So there's that to overcome. Um, but at the end of the day, a working dog—they're so eager to go to work. The guy that fe- the guy or the girl that feeds them for about a week—that's mom or dad um, becomes their new best uh, friend. It, yeah. Because th- I mean that's that's where I mean we talk about loyalty, but the dogs are tuned to work. They got to be dry- They have drive. If you're feeding them and you're spending time with them. You're it. You're the one. And so it, 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 some nuances, of course, when I got Duke basically me learning what I call his buttons, right? Learning how to operate him. Um, that was a little bit of a challenge, which is a fun challenge, but it was, he, we bonded rather quickly. Cause I put him to work. Like there was no, we did our three month basic handler class and then we were out catching crooks. We were, we we're hitting it. Where'd you go for your training? Uh, the sheriff's office here, we do our own training. Um, We've always done, we've always had our own uh, basic handler class uh, where we do narcotics or explosives, depending on what your dog's forte is. Uh, We do three weeks of that and then uh, followed by a nine week patrol class where the dog learned to track people. Uh, They learn handler protection. They learn area searches, you know, vehicle extractions, the gamut, right? Anything a patrol dog would do. um, That's where we teach the basics. Now, once you get certified and you learn your obedience and stuff like that, and you have to certify to a standard. But once you do that, that's just the beginning. Because anybody that says a dog is ready, you're, you're, you're like a brand new patrolman with a dog, right? That's, that, when you certify class, you, you hadn't done shit yet. You, you, you know what I mean? The dog still hasn't seen. I make the analogy because I've had you know, people that have failed deployments. You, you take a dog that doesn't know how to play football catch yet, and you try to throw a 100-yard pass. And he doesn't catch it. Why? Well, because the dog hadn't seen that example yet, the dog hasn't, doesn't have that file, or you know for our age, that Rolodex, right? That file of, "Oh, I've seen that picture before, I know what this is." And so there's, sometimes there's a failure because the dog doesn't understand. So I say the, the basic class is just a, um, a, a drop in the bucket. It's the tip of the iceberg before you actually go. You go get your experience on the street, and the more experience you have is how much better your dog becomes. Because he's seen those.
0: Yeah, it's no different than the military or law enforcement. You have to have a certain time and grade before you can get promoted to the next level because you haven't learned anything yet. You don't get on the job the first day and say, I'm ready to be a sergeant. No, it doesn't happen that way. So so let's kind of book in this with saying, um, so you get started with Duke, but it, but your current dog is Zico. And how long have you had Zico?
1: I've had Zico since um, the end of November of 2014.
0: And when is the first time you met this little legendary uh Texan called Christy Schiller?
1: So it, it all kind of runs in with Duke um and Zico. So um I, I gotta I gotta tell you this story first though. this is a Duke story and then I'll, I'll get into this. So, oh,
0: but we also need uh, Duke stories, but we need Christy stories too. We yeah. need something oh, about Christy.
1: Well, I'll I'll tell you the Duke story later. Um the Long story short, um, the department, we've always it's, it's I don't know why, but law enforcement agencies always have a trouble budgeting um, or paying for for whatever reason for canines. It's like, you know, when a when a patrol car goes down, they anticipate that's a budgetary item, but or uniforms or service weapon or y- you name it. It's a it's a. Uh, in, in, in a piece of equipment, that's fine. But a dog, a living organism, is, there's some disconnect. And so You've
0: got medical, you've got food, you've got training, you've got all these other intangibles that you don't get with a human or a car.
1: And, well, and a, dog, and a dog, just like a person, a, one dog might work two years and have a medical issue and, and be retired. Or another dog might work, like Zico has worked for eight years, right? Like it is still going strong. So they don't know how to time it. They can't say every three years or 100,000 miles, we're going to get a new car. Well, they can't say that with a dog. So they never, ultimately, they never budget for it. So long story short, here I am. I'm, um, uh, I, I I had Duke. I was a patrolman with Duke, blah, 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 blah. I had him a couple of years. I promoted to sergeant, went down to work IPC. I come back to, I, I made it back to K-9, a booking, booking. I was the, the, the booking supervisor for about six months. Wait a minute. So you've left the jail twice now. Now you're back a third time into detention? Yes, sir. And that's why I don't, that's why I won't promote again, because I am not going back. Um, but, um, any case, so I, I, I get back to K9 as a Sergeant and I get Duke back. Um, so I have Duke and he's probably, hell, I don't know. He's 10 now at that time and 10 or 11 anyway. So I'm working Duke and Christy Schiller, um, had already started K9s for Cops, you know, with Ted and back in 2010, but this is really my first interaction with her is because now I'm the, one of the K9 supervisors. And so I'm, I'm at the, uh, we're running the, the Texas canine officers Olympics, which is we, the sheriff's office coordinates kind of our reciprocation to Christy for all the help she does for us is we coordinate and I sponsored the, the Texas T-Cole credit, right. For law enforcement officers, you get the, the law enforcement training hours. So my agency as an instructor, I sponsored that. And then the, my age, we hosted it at our agency. So we set it up, we coordinated it, you know, obviously Christy, did the majority with all the people, but we just basically gave them a place to do it. Right. Well, at the end of these events, which is a week long conference, we have what's called the hard dog, fast dog, which is basically just a, uh, an ex- exhibition of the dogs, how fast they run and how hard they hit, you know, and how they take the people down. So I'm out there with, you know, Duke, who's got a whiskers as gray as mine, um, out there and i'm running this you know 12 13 year old dog he looks like he should be on caster wheels right you know like she and christy's over there (laughs) and um she tells one of the guys she's god how old is that fucking dog you know like jesus you know like is that inhumane Uh you know kind of thing right well
2: yeah
1: um she sees me with him she calls me over and she starts talking to me because she hadn't we hadn't met yet and we're talking and uh uh, sidebar to that is I'm also at the time I'm in a, a canine trainer school at the same time during this conference. And at the local vendor I had seen uh, Zico. You know The department, I'd already tried to get him through the department, and the department said, no, we don't have the money for it. It's not happening, right? So I'm trying to make deals. I'm like, I'm going to make payments, and I'm going to get this dog myself. I want this fucking dog.
0: Oh, here we go. Another E3. We're going to finance the dog Uh, at 18% interest at $900 a
1: month, right? Wash wash (laughs) dishes, you know, whatever, right? So I want this dog. Um, So Christy, you know, after talking to her a little bit, she finds out that I want Zico. Um, She does what Christy is known for doing. Does all this behind the scenes stuff, and then at the gala, which is the culmination of the the conference, that night or the you know following night or whatever, calls me up there and says, "Hey, um, you know, we understand Duke is you know twelve thirteen years old. We understand you want this. Go pick up your dog." So it surprises me, you know, and says, "Hey, go get your fucking dog." Like I mean, and this is I, I wow. know, I've known the, the lady for two days, you know, and, and that's what she. Oh. But that's what she does to everybody. Um, you know, like, that's
2: that's outstanding. Outstanding. So,
1: you know, you know, I'm, I'm rarely at a loss for words, but I'm up there all like, you know, emotional and, you know, boo-hoo shit. Um, (laughs) so I go get my dog, um, and, uh, we go to training, uh, you know, and, uh, first, first night on the street with him, first 40, I got the record and no one's beat it. First 40 minutes into our first day of work, we, we caught one, um, burglarizing cars and took off, decided he wanted to run from us, which was not smart. And, uh, Zico, uh, convinced him that that was not a, not a, not a good idea. And then, uh, you know, he, basically severed the guy's calf. Um, <clears throat> and then we're at the hospital and I'll never forget the guy's like, man, you were saying good boy to that dog. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, <laughs> well, I mean, he, he did a great job. You know, sorry, buddy. Uh,
2: oh, no, no, I was talking to you. pal. Yeah.
1: You did great too. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Thanks Hey, real quick. Tell us about Zico. What kind of dog is he? Zico is always on hundred percent. He is a, about a 72 pound, uh, Belgian Malinois, uh, ironically enough he's from serbia um and uh so
0: are your commands in serbian then
1: well a little bit well duke was in dutch um so he's zico has got serbian dutch and and motherfucker um because you know i get confused and i yell at him and whatever comes to mind so um that's Zico should be serbian but yeah he's got he's got a hybrid language
2: uh, it's funny. So Actually, you know what? You should have gone back to the the hospital, given that the uh, the bad guy <laughs> give him a participation. I drinking. mean,
1: you know, a certificate of a completion. <laughs> uh, you know, something. Everybody's a winner today. Uh,
0: I you love know. it. So yeah, but that's the thing too is that you, you just can't. You, like you say, you can't outrun these dogs. We used to joke too, even on the state patrol, because our cars weren't exactly the fastest. They said, I could have outrun you." I said, "Yeah, you can outrun a motor. You just cannot run a Motorola. I'll just follow right. ahead, you know." But you can't outrun a dog. So the record was what the the the, uh, the the amount of time it took to get your first caller was that the 40 minutes you're talking yeah, about
1: yeah 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 so you know it's you typically I mean and it's you know it's kind of there's a lot of factors involved with things like that but um I was never the one to wait around for calls, so I was I was out trolling looking for my own right, like so you know proactive. Stuff, it, yeah. it was going to happen.
2: Wait, but you're not doing your job. That's nothing to be ashamed of, over there, my uh, friend. I always well.
1: I always look. You know, you go back and you look at my dash camera. It's funny because it was like um, I'll never forget. We I pulled into this. It was this uh, back back storage lot or parking lot of a Walgreens at a shitty area of town, and you see my car pull in, and I see these two guys, and they're they're looking in windows of cars. And at first you see me like, you know, I give the, the basically the cop, "Oh fuck it, whatever, you know, kind of, and I'm, I start to roll off, but then my, my ego gets the better of me. You see my dad, cause dash yeah. camera kicks on 30 seconds, at, you know, it records 30 seconds from before, from when you hit the lights. So you see on the dash cam, you see my car stop abruptly reverse and then back up and turn towards them and like so it's funny as you see me go from oh fuck it to you know fuck that to oh here we go here we go and as as i'm pulling up in my patrol car you see in my dash cam they start to separate the two guys so when they start to separate in my mind i know that i'm getting a runner one of them's running at least one of them's running because they're separating um so i jump out of the car hey come here motherfucker um he takes off running across the street well you run you if you run i chase right so he runs i chase him I get Zico out, uh, like I said, and we end up, he's trying to climb a fence, uh, get away from us, and Zico looked like, it looked like Shark Week. Uh, Zico's hanging off of him, (laughs) about six feet in the air. Um, You know, good times.
2: Uh, Oh, yeah. It's, uh... so, hey, (laughs) Before we get
0: into talking about a couple of cases that we discussed, uh, that we want to talk about, what is the criteria for turning your dog loose on somebody like that that's running? What is the, what's, you know, what's the department policy? Because I think a lot of people think you just turn them loose on everything, but it's like, no, I mean, there are rules for turning a dog loose because there's a process when you, a
1: a dog can be, you know, a dog will inflict injury if it's going after you like that. Absolutely. Um, So not just department policy, which is our department policy is actually more restrictive, but uh, law, right. State law, uh, Graham versus Connor, the fourth amendment, you know, legal seizure, um, search and seizure. I can't, I can't seize a person without due cause. Right. Um, so it's based on what we call the three prongs. Um, The nature of the offense, is it a felony, right? Um, Is the suspect uh, been searched for weapons or actively resisting? And does he pose a, a threat to citizens and law enforcement if he's not apprehended? So in this case, I have somebody committing burglaries to a motor vehicle, which is a felony. I have somebody that actively evaded from me prior to being searched for weapons. He's refusing all commands. And if I don't apprehend him, he poses a, a threat of ambush to me or citizens if he's not apprehended. So he's, he's punched that ticket, so to speak. He, he meets the criteria. I will deploy the dog. Now, let's say you were a shoplifter and you ran from Walmart. Am I going to deploy my dog on you? Probably not. There would have to be some other mitigating factors, right, before I would do that. You would have had mm-hmm. to have
0: some other information, like they pulled a gun on somebody. Again, they'd have to commit a felony, but a simple misdemeanor.
1: No. Probably not, Right.
2: Do you do you have to announce that you're releasing the dog, or you, um,
1: if, or if no, is that a requirement? If time and uh, safety permit. So, like for example, if I knew you had a gun, or if you shot at me, I'm not required to, right? Like I, that'd be foolish, right? Stop! Don't shoot at me again. Right. I'm gonna send my dog. No, <laughs> but if if otherwise, I'm gonna give announcements. And in this case, I I told you I stop, or I'm gonna send the dog. He did, chose not to stop.
0: Well, yeah. Okay. Uh, lesson learned. <laughs> that's a valuable life lesson. Uh, and our other life lesson, we always tell kids, don't we, Murph? Don't do math. You know, that's our other life lesson. <laughs> we t- but don't do math. Um, how many people, when you give the when when they start to think about getting froggy with you, and then they see the dog and all those teeth? And then you say, I'm going to release the dog. How often do you get compliance versus people being non-compliant?
1: Um, I would say a, a good majority. You know, you got your, you know, your one or two percenters that are going to run anyway, because that's what they do. They're career criminals. Um, but it's like a taser almost, I would say. Um, crooks know that I'm, you know, the, the, people know that you if you can shoot them or not, right? Like with my service weapon, they know, right? If I don't, if they don't attempt to hurt or kill somebody or me, there's a very small chance that I'm going to shoot them. Right. They know that I can point my gun at you, but I'm, I'm bound by law not to shoot you. You follow? But the, but the, the, but the use of a taser or the use of a canine, which is a less lethal use of force, they know I'll send my dog. They know I'll tase your ass. So they know that that's a good, there's a high likelihood that I'm not bluffing. And so you get compliance rather quickly because they know, and I've seen grown ass men you know, people who are scared of dogs, you know what I mean? Like people that you're like, damn, that's a big dude. They're scared of dogs. Um, and for good reason, because these dogs are, I mean, they're real. You know, when you, when you see a dog go to work on, I've, seen my, Zico, I've had Zico bite a guy that was six foot five, 300 pounds. The guy starts punching him and Zico just grins and bear it. And he didn't care. Of course, but I Belgians was, have
0: the, Belgian Malinois have the crazy gene in there somewhere. It's oh, like,
1: oh, we're doing, they we're, are yeah, we're unique. Do, we're doing this. Okay. <laughs> and. Of course, <laughs> I'm up for it, Skippy. Are you? Well, you know, it's... Oh, look, Daddy, he wants to play. Well, you know, the dog wasn't upset, but I got pissed. You don't touch my dog, you know, so what, that's that was a whole other story because that didn't end well for him either. Um, you know, you don't hit somebody's dog, so... Well, so let's, let's talk now about,
0: because you moved into an area to where uh, you're now working with the SWAT team, and when they do tactical, now are you on the SWAT team or just assigned with the SWAT team? Uh, we,
1: are, uh, we are assigned to special operations, so we are not technically SWAT, right, because we're in a different bureau. But myself and another deputy uh, with his canine are basically assigned to respond with SWAT. Anytime we get called, we are responding. But our, our, our job is canine only. Um, We do not, I'm not clearing a building. You don't
0: do the entries or anything well, else like that. It's, it's, I mean, it's kind the of, dog does, it's, but- it's
1: kind of fucked up actually because we do do the entries because I'm there with the dog, right? And the dog goes ahead of the team most times. So there I am with my pumpkin Mm -hmm. head, you know, between the legs of four dudes sending my dog down range. And I I got nothing but a leash in my hand. Right. I mean, like, who's stupid? That's me. (laughs) You know, (laughs) you know, so.
0: Well, let's talk about being stupid then. This first case we want to talk about, I thought was really interesting. This is a double murder. It's a capital offense. So let's set the context for this about how you and Zeke, uh, Zico get involved in this one. So give us the context for the call out. What things happened for you to show up on this scene?
1: Um in this instance it was um so the Gulf Coast Violent Offenders, which is like a task force that we, we just call it hunts the worst of the worst, right? They're they're looking for violent offenders, murderers, assaults, aggravated robberies, things like this that, that um You're not looking for parking violations and speeders. They're not looking for people with five five dollar bag of marijuana, no. They're they're looking for hardened criminals. And this particular criminal was wanted for two capital murders. She had killed in two separate incidents, had killed um, I think in the first one, he killed two people, which made it a capital because it was more than one person. And then the second incidence is he killed somebody during the commission of a robbery. So he's a he's a shit bag. He is a turd. But he's like he's only like 20 years old from Louisiana.
0: Now, is this all happening? Uh, did the murders happen in Harris
1: County? No, they happened in Louisiana. Um, so he had fled to Harris County where he had some family members and he had told his family, his kin that, you know, basically he's not going to jail and he's going to, he's going to die in a shootout and he's going to, you know, basically I ain't going to prison kind of stuff. And so
0: you're obviously working with U.S. Marshals too on this, yes, right? Yes.
1: They're part of the Gulf Coast Violent Offenders Task Force. And so, um, long story short, his family's worried that he's going to get killed, you know, cause you know, you say you're going to kill cops. Well, they're not going to ask you a whole bunch to stop. Um, so, his family uh, basically rats him out, and they tell him, us that he's going to be um, in this area. Long story short, his his cousin or his brother or something like that, they decide they're going to go to a—there's a Walmart um, in the area that I work, and he's known to carry a gun, and, and, and we know that he has a gun on him. So the plan is that we want him, his his cousin, or his, I think it's his cousin, is going to get him to leave the gun in the car, and they're going to go towards Walmart. and uh, and basically, so the cousin is in on this at this point. Yes. Like they're going to, they, they, they just don't want him to die. So they, they want him to be taken into custody because they don't want him to die. Um, I, during the brief, I have, I voiced my objections. I'm like, Hey, this guy has already killed multiple people. Um, and we're going to go into a public area, right? <laughs> you know, in a large parking lot, So this is not going to end well. Anyway, um, it is what it is because that's where they had set it up the the, the family. So we ended up having to roll with it this guy, they pull up, they got eyes on him and I'm staged off in the back of uh, the parking lot, you know, kind of discreetly and uh kind of funny story. So normally I get Zico out of the car door, but in this case, I opened the center partition in my car and I just grabbed him from my car and he exits the, the patrol, to, my door with me. And we'll get to that back to that part in a second. Anyway, so the guy pulls in, they get out and they start walk. Well, he, you know, his spidey senses or, you know, he's, he's nervous or whatever. And he's, he, he's looking around and he's real nervous. So he sees the, um, uh, what we call the contact team approaching. He, you know, he dead, dead fucking runs for it. He's, he's gone. He starts running through the parking lot. They hit him with a 40 millimeter, uh, less lethal round of beanbag hits him. No effect. Um, I mean, it, it did, but you know, not at that moment. Right. Um, they tase him. He, he keeps running. It breaks the probes. And meanwhile, I'm like, I always make the Joe looks like wild kingdom. I'm running through fucking the parking lot with Zico on a, a 15 foot leash trying to, and I'm, I'm not a small guy. I'm, I'm wide. Right. So I'm running through parked cars and I'm knocking mirrors off the cars. Cause I'm clumsy as fuck. And I got a, a 72 pound dog pulling me at like 30 miles an hour and, and we're running and I'm trying to, I'm trying to, uh you know, almost like on football, I'm trying to cut him off, right? I'm trying to take the, the line to him. Trying to get your angles right so you can, you can catch up to and him. And so we, we come out the parking lot, and I'm at the, I'm at the max of my capability as, far as as fast as I'm going, and Zico's just pulling me faster and faster. And I see him, but I got, I got about four or five SWAT team members that are in hot pursuit of this guy, and I'm on a, at a 45-degree angle. And I look, and I see that Zico, uh, this has all happened fast, but I see Zico's locked in on the guy. I'm like, fuck it, you know, no, no risk, no reward. I send Zico. <laughs> Go ahead, Chris, before you say that, before you send that, did he do any, did he make any movements,
0: this uh, suspect you're after to indicate he had a weapon? Did, did you, did you know if he had a weapon on him or not at that time?
1: We knew that he had a weapon when he exited or when he was in the car, we knew he had a weapon, but the plan went to shit. So we don't, we'd never had any communication saying that he left it in the car. So it's unknown. We don't know.
0: Mm-hmm. You, so at this point, what I'm saying is you have to believe that this dude is
1: armed because he's already killed three people. You have to assume he's armed. Um, he's Again, back to the three prongs. He's committed multiple felonies. We assumed he's armed because we know we had information telling us that he was armed, and he's failing to comply with orders to surrender. And he's already committed capital murder, so I would say that he poses a he's risk. He's a
0: huge threat to the community. Absolutely. So
1: at this point— um, of course all these things, these deployment factors, I already know these when we, you know, when we set up, right. Because these are criteria that I would tell you like, Hey, I can't use my dog for that. If that, if you didn't meet the criteria. Um, but in this case we, we, you know, he's already bought and paid for as we call it. Um, and as we're running across this thing, I send Zico and he passes all four SWAT guys and hits this guy like fucking Lawrence Taylor, you know, I mean, just hits him, but where he hits him, I guess it knocks the guy down and he bites him on the head. And he gets him on the on the, uh, his left ear. And, you know, so he, the dog's on his head, but he's got, you know, a canine tooth through his ear. And it's funny. I mean, I say it's comical, but it's when you hear this hardened, when you talk about hardened crooks, right, and these criminals, I always, first one's crying for mama. First one's screaming like a little girl. This guy's screaming, and you would have thought it was an eight-year-old female. He's crying, you know, and that's the, the reality of what a dog does. The dog is the equalizer. The dog... Not all these, I got 25 year old SWAT guys that couldn't catch this 20 year old crook, right? Cause we're wearing 30 pounds of gear and we're doing all this, but he couldn't outrun the dog and the dog took him down and he's crying for mama. And so anyway, we take him off and, you know, he got, they had to staple his ear back together it was all, you know, good fun. But I put Zico back in my car. And we're, we're taking care of the crook and we're waiting for, you know, first thing we do is make sure he's handcuffed, but check him for weapons, and then we, make, we get EMS, medical attention for him. So was he armed? Uh, he did not have a gun on him. Uh, it was in the car. He had left it in the car. Um, but meanwhile, you remember I told you I got Zico out the center partition. Well, Zico don't shut off. Zico doesn't know any better. Zico's always on. So I put him in the back Uh-oh. of my car, put him back in the back of the door, but I forgot that I'd left the partition open. And this guy's screaming and hollering and we're doing all this stuff. And I look over and my, my, my Tahoe is shaking left and right laterally. Like, I mean, like it looked like somebody's, you know, fighting in there or something. I walk up and I, I, I look, my center console is ripped off. He took it. He, Zico took my hat, my gloves, my leash, the center console and some other random shit. He ripped it off and it was in the back kennel with him. Cause he saw me dealing with the crook. He thought we were still fighting and he wanted to play. <laughs> So I'm like, so then I got to call my captain, I'm like, hey, captain, I got a dog bite, but also I got to damage the county property because my dog ate my car. You know, like, I mean, like, full on ate it. And I'm like, dear captain, nobody was more shocked than me when, exactly I, than when I returned right.
0: to my vehicle and I found my equipment <laughs> destroyed. That was more of a surprise than you could ever
1: imagine. <laughs> uh, but he's done it like three times he ate he ate the dashboard out of one car i mean the dog don't he's just crazy um in a good oh. way though he's he's never been handler aggressive he's he's the most social dog in the world but his prey drive um is through the roof it's astronomical so if he sees a you know what he perceives as a uh uh a criminal, I say a criminal, but a, a, a dec- what we would call a decoy or a willing participant, <laughs> a bite toy. Um, he gets amped up and he don't shut off. So what? What kind of? What's his reward? Um, so the reward for the dogs is you know whether it depends on what the what the I say the game we're playing. So if we're looking for narcotics, his reward is a tug or a, a tennis ball, right? And that that simulates prey, you know, like small animal, squirrel, whatever, you know, whatever. But the ultimate reward for a dog is the big human meat stick, the bite suit, right? That guy wearing the big burlap suit, the bite suit that you scream and holler when he bites and he gets to play tug with you. So many people think the dogs are vicious, but they're not vicious. We train them that you're a willing participant and you're playing tug is all you're doing. And you're screaming and hollering as part of the training so that when he bites a real person and they're screaming and hollering, He's like, oh, <laughs> we're playing. You
0: know, he thinks that's why it's yeah. fun. He
1: doesn't. The dog doesn't know the difference, right? No, he's doing it because it's fun. He's not doing it from out of malice or you know, viciousness. No, that dog's playing tug of war.
2: You know, and it, it, some of uh, you know some of our listeners might me, might think this is a little bit cruel. But think of the bad guy. He killed how many people? Two or three?
1: Uh, in this case, uh, he killed two in one instance, and then another a separate instance killed another person while robbing them.
2: So he's a three time murderer. You know, and here's a guy who's who's said he's not going to be taken alive. (laughs) He runs, and he was
1: armed prior to that. Yes, we're we're just lucky that he left it in the car. I mean, what if he hadn't?
2: Right, and the dog takes him down. You know what? These are lessons that you teach your children. For every action you take, good or bad, there are consequences. Absolutely. And that day, the consequences for him was they finally caught up with him. He got exactly what he deserved. And,
1: and, and, and like I tell people, you know, because I've had to I've had to go to, um, you know, criminal hearings. I've had to go to lawsuits. I've had to go to all these things as the supervisor. And I, and I tell people our dogs are not vicious. And our dogs, you, you want to know here's the reality of it. You want to know who dictates whether or not the suspect gets bit. The suspect dictates whether or not he gets bit. If he complies. He does not get bit. If he listens to orders and surrenders and he can, it's less paperwork for us. Nobody. Yeah. Oh, it's cool that we caught the bad guy with the dog. Yeah. But you know what? I still caught you if you gave up and I'm good with it. If you give up, you don't get bit. I mean, it's simple. Well,
0: and that's the whole thing is, you know, it's like if you're standing there not moving your hands in the air, the dog's not going to attack because he doesn't see the behavior that he's been taught, right, to go after because you're yelling and screaming or running.
1: So well, not even that, not even that, because our dogs, we train our dogs to to engage passive suspects as well, because you could be hiding in, you know, in us, we're in a rural area a lot. You know, even though we're Houston, there's a lot of wooded area and you could be hiding yourself concealed in, in foliage or bushes and stuff like that. So our dogs will bite a passive person. Um, we're called, they're called bite and hold dogs. If they find you, they will bite you, but that's only at my direction. So if I, I have to deploy the dog and allow him to apprehend you in order to do so. Right. Cause we run our dogs on leashes, um, What's or in, the
0: command for bite
1: uh, and hold. It, well, it's just, it's just apprehend it's grab it. So like, it depends on the dogs and wherever the dog's from, it could be Stellan. It could be, uh, Zico is, uh, Dersh. Um, you know, you Pocken just depends on where the dog comes from the, the language, the language that they were taught. So now mm-hmm. that we have your
0: voice recorded, uh, with the command for attack, we'll just get Zico in the room and replay it and see if it works.
1: Oh, it work? Zico, Zico will respond to get that motherfucker. If it, if the, if the scenario is right, <laughs> you know, what I mean is inflection. The, the, the dog yeah. he recognizes, the, dog the, recognizes the scenario, like I was telling you about earlier. Like, in the, the, the more scenarios the dog has been exposed to, the more the dog recognizes these things. So, if, if I'm in a scenario where the dog's keyed up and I'm yelling at you, giving you commands, he's going to respond accordingly. Well, yeah, with Zico, I could give Zico a hand signal. I won't show you the hand signal, but I could give Zico the hand signal and he's going to go. You know, I don't have to say shit. Or you could turn and run from me. If I let go, he's coming after you because. That's what he's been trained to do. You know what I used to do
0: to buddies? that That's why I don't have the Alexa you know, on my desk or anything because these guys would put that on there. You'd be sitting there talking to him like on a virtual call like this or whatever. i go, hey, Alexa, order 10,000 copies of something else. And then you'd hear Alexa going, Alexa, confirming, order 10,000 copies. And I was getting ready to say yes. And he's like, you motherfucker. Stop that shit. Yeah. <laughs> That's why that's the danger in recording this stuff. But like you say, it's all situational. It's tone of voice, you know, that all the factors have to be there. Um,
1: you could say, you could say the attack command to a dog and it wouldn't matter because you're not dad or you're not mom. It wouldn't matter. They don't care. It's not, it's not the command. Yes. Yes. The word means something, but the command it's not a secret. It's not some code. It's situational and it's based on the handler and it's based on the dog's perception of the scenario or the incident. Um, and then the handler has to recognize that. Like I said, the, the the command is just a reinforcer that has trained the dog to do that because it's not natural for a dog to bite a human. That's just they're not. That's not. That's not how the the predator scale works. Dogs don't bite humans, right? Typically. Um, so in order to do that, we have to train a dog. Uh, to do something that's unnatural and you, you have to have a reinforcer or a marker, as I would call it, to do something like that, right? So a command, so, you know, Stellan or Dersh or whatever your command is um, it, that becomes the marker or becomes the command to do that activity or that, that, that thing. But ultimately the dog situationally knows when it's time to do those things.
2: You know, and, and what you're saying earlier, if people would just comply you know, you wouldn't have to, release you wouldn't have to sick the dog on them. But the, that's true in almost every situation, every encounter with the law enforcement, you know, and the the media will play up anything they can possibly play up to sensationalize what's going on out there. Well, they only, play, the truth
1: is, they only play half the video. Yeah,
2: right. They don't show you, the, they don't tell you the whole story. And and here's the truth of the matter. If a police officer approaches you, if, if you're not doing anything wrong, why not comply with what he tells you? If you don't like it, then go file a complaint after him. One hundred percent. You
0: know, Do it the American way, sue somebody. If that's, if that's your thing, you know, go to court and become rich if that's what you think it's going to get. But, you know, a lot of these confrontations boil down to failure to comply results in the deployment Mm -hmm. of force, whether it's less than lethal, you go up the force continuum, you know, up to lethal force and, uh, those decisions are made more often than not by the suspects, not by the officers. And I'll say this: right.
1: regardless of the encounter, right? So, like, what what people misconstrue is there's a lot of there's a lot of instances where like cops overstep their bounds. And I'm not going to say cops aren't per, you know cops aren't perfect. We're not perfect. Nobody is, right? But there's a lot of things where cops are wrong. Let's say, or at least their probable cause is wrong, or the reason for stopping you is wrong, or whatever you may think. Okay, but the moment the moment you escalate it. So I stopped you and I say you were speeding, but you weren't speeding, right? Let's just say you weren't speeding and you had proof somehow, right? Like I was doing 42 miles an hour in a 45 and I said, you're doing 60 and you, but you get out of the car and you become argumentative, combative, so on and so forth, right? Whatever happens from that point, regardless of why I stopped you or regardless of why we had the encounter, you dictate how that encounter goes. If, like you said in a, a minute ago, go back and file a complaint, do do whatever, comply, because that's the only way nobody gets hurt. Because the cop didn't do it because if the cop thought he was wrong, he wouldn't do it. If, does that make sense? Like every cop that does something, I mean, at least lawfully, I mean, you got bad apples, but every cop that does something believed at the time that he was doing the right thing. He stopped well, and that's you. that's why—
0: and that's why there's reasonable suspicion versus probable cause. And to stop somebody to do a patent frisk and what they call the Terry stop is only reasonable suspicion. I only have to reasonably suspect you of that you ha- are have or will commit a crime, right? But the, but, the, it, but you could go into court later and say, oh, look, there wasn't enough reasonable suspicion for the stop. Great. But dismiss the case. Yeah, okay. Dismiss so, the case. But at that point— But nobody got hurt but if somebody escalated it from there i stopped you and then you go to pull out your gun sorry pal whether or not you thought i had reasonable suspicion you had no right to pull a gun on the officer and that lethal force situation is directly reflecting on the suspect not the officer cuz i would i believed i had look you we've all had cases i thought i had pc to make arrest you'd write stuff you go to court you find they throw it out okay But that's what I believe. But it's not absolute proof. It's proof beyond a reasonable doubt, you know, which is the jury trial or probable cause or reasonable suspicion. People get that all confused. They think, well, you didn't have probable cause to stop me, sir. I don't need PC to stop you. I need reasonable suspicion. I need probable cause to arrest.
1: Yeah. Well, again, like I said, it it comes down to is if you if you comply right, wrong or indifferent, if the officer is right, wrong, whatever, it it doesn't matter. Just comply, because then and I tell I've told, you know, I've told. Citizens, criminals that I've arrested, I've had, I've actually had some good conversations with people about it. You know, that started off like what we're talking about—the bad end of it. And I'm like, do you realize that what you just did could have got you, or me, or both of us, you know, killed? Right? You know, and and sometimes, you know, it it does turn a light on for people. But you know, there's just some people that are anti-law enforcement or anti-authority, and and they're going to do what they're going to do. But unfortunately, you're you're your action is going to result in a consequence. Whether, whether my stop was right or wrong, your actions are going to dictate what my reaction is going to be, and, and depending on what you do is going to dictate how I respond.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. So
0: let's, let's talk, because we're going to end up by talking about how you're working with canines for costs. but there was one other interesting case you brought up, and this one was a little bit different too. This one did not involve homicide, but this one was a uh, SWAT deployment that you're on where the guy – Uh, Had robbed his parents. um, Was on all sorts of drugs. What do we say, kids? Don't do meth. So he's probably on meth too. But let's let's set context for this next deployment. Um, what happened? Kind of give us the time of day. You know, how did you get the call out? What would, what were the circumstances for this next case? Uh,
1: I can't remember the day of the week it was, but I was off duty. I work day shifts, typic, day shift typically, but I get a, a, an activation on my cell phone via, we have what we call, uh, it's called activate. It's an app, um, that SWAT sends out, you know, for, uh, a SWAT activation, you know, uh, myself, um, armed barricaded suspect at this location, um, all it says at the time is, you know, aggravated robbery uh, with injury. Um, so obviously we don't know it's mom, dad, relative or anything like that. All we know is it's a ag robbery suspect. He's barricaded at this location, uh, has weapons. Uh, we arrived there. Uh, patrol's already been there for a couple hours. It's nighttime. Uh, it's probably around ten, eleven o'clock at night. So how
0: far away are you from the scene? How long does it take you to get there?
1: Um... Took me about 30 minutes to get there um, just because it takes me about, it's kind of funny, it takes me probably five or 10 minutes to get me and the dog loaded up, you know, uh, and then we usually make pretty good time once we're in the car, but... Um. Hey, interesting. I want to ask you about that because like I say, you're off
0: duty, the dog may not know it's off duty, but things are at a little bit different pace. Is there any concerns or is Zico just one of those dogs that when it's time to be on, he's on regardless, or do you have to prep, prep him? to get ready for this deployment. It's not like you're going out on a patrol, you know, you're just hopping in the car. This is like, Hey, you're actually going to a situation where he's going to be deployed.
1: Sure. Well, it's like a habit, right? So there's things that I do. um, Like when I get ready to go to work every day, I have a routine. You know, um, and Zico has a routine for that matter. Um, you know, I get up, I get dressed, I go start the car, I load it up, I turn on my computer, I open the door that the dog goes in. I go get him from his kennel, and he runs through my garage. And he, when I say auto, he loads up, he gets and jumps in the car. Um, so he knows when he gets in the car, he's going to work. So whether it's a call out or whether it's, uh, you know, if I'm on patrol, he's he's loaded in the car. He knows he's at work. When he's at home in his kennel or in the backyard, then he's not at work. He's kind of, you know, let's call it he's he's off-duty mindset per se. But, again, I always tell you dogs are dogs. If somebody did something that the dog perceived as a scenario or, you know, like that, the dog would would – you act, would respond, respond, respond as such. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like you're having a barbecue in the backyard and
0: one of your buddies decides to just play with you and put you in a headlock. The dog sees that as an attack on you, right?
1: Oh yeah. Or if you can, if you went running through my yard, like I always tell my kids, you know, um, don't go screaming and running and hollering and, and, you know, I mean, they're kids. Right. But don't do that shit around the dogs. Um, because you're the dogs know them and in whatnot, but I'm, I'm a little obsessive compulsive. I, I try to be more careful. Right. I don't want that. Chance, you know, don't. I'm not going to put you in that position because you're you're six or you're ten. You'll do. He thinks you're playing. He's not doing it out of malice. So I'm not going to put him in that scenario. But anyway, back to your case. He he knows he's going to work because we load up in the car, um, and then of course there's other factors like he hears the lights and the sirens. He gets amped up. Uh, then when we get to the scene, obviously. Um, I'm in my uniform, but I'm putting him in his ballistic vest and I'm loading him up and I'm putting all his shit on and I'm grabbing all my shit. The dog knows that we're there to work. He, you know, he knows why we're there. Um, he might not, you know, perceive it's an armed barricaded suspect. The dog just knows that there's a, there's there's a somebody, a, a chew toy. Somebody there's a chew toy waiting for me somewhere, somewhere. And um,
2: <laughs> that's and one way to put the it. The
1: only question is, do I get it right? Because um, a lot of times they give up or they don't give up. And SWAT scenarios typically, you know, if we get there and we can get them to come out, hey, better for everybody, you know. Um, But in this case, we we get there. It's late at night. We learn that the guy. Lives with his parents. He's like a thirty-five-year-old, Houston gangbanger, you know, career criminal. Um But he has a has a, a drug problem, and I think it was PCP, as well as some meth and some other random stuff. You know, marijuana, or whatever. He's wet. Um, any case, he's out there and he's in the front yard. But the front yard of the house, kind of, because it's a bad area. It's got like a fence surrounding the whole perimeter of the house you know because people don't want their shit broke into so it's hard for us to get to him or to close distance on him and he's out there throwing like little chunks of cinder block rocks at patrol cars he's got like a six uh a 16 inch machete that he's waving around he's setting fire to shit uh he just you know he's he's acting an ass the whole time um and that's been going on for two hours you say by uh, the time you get there yeah two to three hours by the time i mean i don't know what time it you know because Patrol is going to respond to the incident, and then the incident's going to escalate. The and then
0: it escalates,
1: and then SWAT gets called out, and yeah. then you get called out. Well, when SWAT get when when SWAT gets called out, we get called out at the same time. It's it's instantaneous. We respond with them. Um, but any case, so we we get there and we're setting up our command post and we're setting up the thing, and then we start relieving the the patrolman on scene and try to get into a position. Um, so you know, then the dialogue begins. We try to get this guy to com- you know to surrender. Um, he won't surrender and it just, it keeps escalating, keep escalating. He's, um, he can hear perimeter units around the fence and stuff of the, of the house. He's sticking the machete through the fence, trying to stab him. Um, You know, just doing all sorts of random violent shit. Um, hey Chris, I want to talk to you about that too, real quick too, because um, you said that Zico's got a ballistic
0: vest, which is usually good for, uh, you know, as they say, ballistics. And then there's issues with penetrating weapons, you know, edged weapons, you know, with having vests like that. But as long as this guy is inside this fence, it goes back to what you were saying before. As long as he's staying inside that fence, even with that machete, he's really not a big threat. He's a threat, but he's not a big threat. Like if he leaves the fence and starts coming towards an officer, that's one thing, right? So he's kind of contained in the fence. He's kind of
1: isolated, right? Right. So containment is a big thing because obviously he's already robbed somebody. He's already when he robbed his mother, he struck her, so he it becomes aggravated robbery. So he hurt her. Um, So he's wanted for that those two felonies. He's on narcotics and he's failing to comply with orders, and he's he's still being combative with other officers. So he is a threat. So yes, he's not a big a threat because we have him contained. But it, we cannot leave. Right. We can't because of the, the propensity for violence he's shown, the, the crimes that he's committed and the, the continuation of violence. We're not going to leave. He's we are you are coming with us before we leave one way or the other. That's the only way this ends is you're coming with us. You're going to jail. How old was this guy? Mid 30s. Um, you know, grown adult, but obviously not best life choices. Um so anyway, it, it continues. We try to defuse it several times, you know, talking to him, trying to get a dialogue with the. Um, we always try to what I call the path of least resistance. We always try to use the less, for, you know, least amount of force as we can. So we try to get a dialogue and try to get the guy to surrender and try to rationalize with him, but it's not going anywhere. Um, then um, he keeps coming out, and like I said, he's escalating because now he's starting to set fire. Like he he brings out this toolbox and he sets fire to it, and then he's like, now he's throwing, um, I don't know what you want to call it, but like he's throwing fireballs or you know pieces of lit material into the street he's throwing rocks he's you know whatever so we're like okay well we need to try to take this guy into custody but we can't close the distance because of the nature he's got weapons we there are firearms in the house but we don't know if he has them on him um Long story short, he comes out. Uh, He he starts trying to—
0: Hold on. Before you say long story short, because we don't want short stories. I mean, as part of this is going in depth. So (laughs) we like it. Yeah. Where uh, are—well, and Murph likes it short. That's what I've heard. Uh, But um, where are the parents at this point? Are they still in the house? Do you have a hostage situation, or are
1: they gone? The parents were able to get out. Um, So it's all we know. The only known person in the house is the suspect. So he, he comes out, he starts, like I said, he escalates it because he, he hears a perimeter, a guy on the perimeter behind the fence that adjoins the property, and he's trying to stab him through the fence. So he's trying to cause injury to somebody else now. He, not a,
0: again, uh, not another good life choice. No, because no. <laughs> right.
1: now, now you've shown a continuation of violence, right? So like, this is, these are things that are factors for us that are going to escalate our tactics. You know, you just not complying, we'll sit there for hours and talk to you if, you know, I mean, if we don't have to use force, we'll be happy to talk to you. Um, But uh, anyway, so he goes back in the house uh, and starts barricading the house, putting the refrigerator up against the door, you know, things like that. Uh, So we decide we're going to use chemical munitions. We deploy chemical munitions into the residence, you know, um, most people, you know, we call it CS gas, but, um, you know, whatever, riot gas, whatever people want to associate that with, but chemical munitions. Um, and we, and we're trying to, um, drive him to a certain side of the house, right? We want to area denial. We want to keep him out of one area of the house so that we can limit where he's at. So to make it easier for us to contain him, because if we do have to go in, it limits the amount of the house we have to clear. Um, so we deploy chemical munitions. They start to be, uh, they're a little bit effective. We deploy another one. He's, you can, we can see him through night vision going into the, like the refrigerator, trying to wash his eyes out with drinking milk, getting a beer, doing whatever he's doing. Um, well,
0: you know, uh, real quick too, Chris, you were saying that too. CS is usually an irritant. It's not like the oleoresin capsicum, the OC that, you know, when they would, that stuff is, I got sprayed with that when they were doing training, That shit is brutal. But CS is more like gives you runny nose, clears out your sinuses. It might bother ears, but people can fight through that. But the reason I brought that up is I wanted to make a point is that with this guy, it's like your other guy, um, fight or flight syndrome kicks in for like the first guy, you know, the taser, the beanbag, stuff like that doesn't, it, it bothers them, but they, but they work through it. They push through it. But somebody with PCP, especially we've all fought somebody who's on PCP. You know, you, you fought people who were whacked out on dope. They don't have the same pain threshold and don't think of pain. They don't go through pain the same way we go through it as, uh, unaffected adults.
1: Yeah. Because I've seen I've seen people on PCP take dog bites, um, and and I had one guy bite my dog back, my old dog Duke. He grabbed the dog by the vest, pulled him to him, and bit him back. And I was kind of impressed, but then at the same time I was irritated, you know, because he bit my dog. So the, that's a different story, though. Uh, well, you know, the headlines say it's not interesting to say dog bites man. What's the
0: real interesting headline is man bites dog, and I think we've got our man bites dog headline.
1: It was it was I was like. All right. <laughs> Good with it, you know. Um, but any case, so this guy, um, he, he keeps coming well, back. Now, tell me, Chris, did you sign this guy up for the canine program then? Did you say, hey, look, we've got an opening for you? Oh, no. No, we did not. We did not sign this guy up. <laughs> oh, darn. <laughs> no, he was not welcome. Um, the, oh, the, it's funny though, is, you know, you talk about people, this guy had been telling you, he was, he's making threats. He's like, I'll break that dog's neck to me, you know, cause we're on the perimeter. I'll break that dog's neck. You send that dog. I'll break that dog's neck. I'll kill that dog, blah, 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 blah. He's saying all these things. I'll kill you motherfuckers. Um, anyway, so he's going back in and we drive him out of the house with the CS gas. So he comes back out into this little, I don't know what you want to call it. Like I said, it's a fence. It's all cement, like patio type thing, but it's a, it's fenced in. It's hard to explain. But we can't get to him. There's only one path that you get to him. It's up the driveway, but it's exposed. He can see you coming. So um, an opportunity presents itself. He comes out and he's lighting fires and doing all this stuff, but he gets distracted again by the perimeter guy that's on that fence. So he goes over there and he's jacking with him, trying to stab him and doing all this shit. While another guy gets, we, they tase him. So they tase him, but it works. It's only partially effective because he falls back, and as he falls back, it breaks the probes. So when it breaks the probes, he's no longer under the power of the taser. So now he's back to being batshit crazy again. And now we're mo- we're already moving. We're moving. To- I got a team of like five guys and me and the dog, and we're moving up. You know, two on each side of me, basically, and I'm in the middle. And we're it's a react team, and we're trying to close distance so we can, you know, basically put hands on this guy, take him into custody. They shoot him with a 40 millimeter uh, less lethal marker round, hits him. Um, it's not a completely effective. Like I said, he's under the influence of stuff, so it, it you can see it hit him and affect him, but it doesn't. He doesn't give up. The pain is not enough for him to give up. He's he's reacting different. Chris, go into a little bit of detail of
0: what that is. You said that 40 millimeter round, what is it? How is it shot out? You know, what's the, what's it designed to do?
1: Uh, well, there's different types of munitions. Um, you have a beanbag round, which is, looks like a little beanbag. Um, and that's filled with usually like, I, don't, I can't tell you the weight, but like, let's say an ounce of uh, plastic pellets inside of a, uh, a burlap bag to hit. So, you know, basically it doesn't penetrate, but it, it causes pain complaint. That's a beanbag. It's like
0: a huge fist hitting you in the chest with a fist or something. Yes.
1: Yes, and then we also have marker rounds, which are like um, they're foam, they're little, they're condensed, you know, uh, dense foam, um, but they have um, uh, CS gas or OC spray, allureum capsicum in them, so that they, when they hit you, they disperse the chemical munition. So it's kind of a you get you get the pain compliance, but you also get the the irritant. Um, so they hit them with that, which was a forty millimeter, um, which is the size of the munition.
0: And what do you fire those things out of? Is that shotgun fire? Or do they have their own special weapon to deploy them?
1: Well, there's different types, but like so, for example, the you can they have shotgun-based ones, but they also have what the 40 millimeter one is like much people in the military would see a grenade launcher, mm-hmm. the 40 millimeter like a drum on there, and you yeah, can, we, we it used to be called a sage gun or a multi-launcher, and basically it's just the caliber of the munition, uh, so it looks like that big canister drum thing. Um, it's called a multi launcher and it shoots, you know, we can load it with different various types of munitions, you know, um, but they they struck him with that it was an impact um, wasn't effective, but we're already we're already committed, we're already rolling. We go up, he's kind of his backs up against the the wall of his house in the machete is at his feet. And as the team moves up, they try to go hands on. And I'm, you know, I typically I'm like, okay, if there's four guys, I'm not going to go, you know, I'm not going to release a dog at that point because, you know, we, we can typically overpower, you know, four guys on any one person, excuse me, is usually enough. Right. Um, But they're not getting compliance. So there's about a two second delay and you can see it on, it's actually on my body camera. It's actually a pretty good video. Um, I'm holding the dog back. And I see him, they're trying to go hands-on, and he's fighting him. and he reaches down for the machete. When he reaches down for the machete, I just send the dog between the team members, and he hits him on the—grabs uh, him on, like, the right leg or the right calf. Um, And, I, you know, a little cynical cynical for me, but I, he, this is the guy that says he's going to kill my dog and break his back. When Zico bites him, this guy that's on PCP, he just took a taser, he just took the munition round and all that stuff. When Zico bites him, his eyes roll back in his head and he passes out and then they handcuff him. And then we got and we took him out. Um, and that was the end of the scenario.
0: So, wow. So let's back up for a second.
1: So you're down there looking at guys's
0: crotch again. Like you said, you're 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 looking between people's legs, aren't you? You perv. Okay, that's me. Um, <laughs> Chris, the perv. But but as but as you're down there, um, I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on. Like I said there's probably gas out there, all this stuff. How clearly are you able to see him reaching down for that machete? I mean, is that you got a good line of sight to him?
1: Well, so it's funny, is like you said. So I am in this instance. I'm wearing a gas mask, right? So it goes kind of back to the point we were talking about the commands with the dog. Zico can't hear me saying "Dersh." All he he would hear would be "Yeah, exactly." But Zico knows the 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 situational. What he, he sees, the guy, and we've trained him with the team to be pack mentality. So the guys on the team are not threats; they're part of his pack. If you're down range, shame on you. But if you're part of the pack, you're good. So when I come up, because I'm in this case, I'm not sending them between their legs because they're on my left side and my right side. They're trying to get uh, control of his, you know, of his extremities. Right. Um, but I'm squatted because I'm low with the dog. So and I can see him because he's you know, you got all this 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 chaos going on above you, so to speak, at my head and shoulder level. But I can see clearly because I'm low. And I can see him reach forward and lean forward and go to grab that machete. And when he does that, I make the conscious decision. Like normally they'll call for the dog to come up if they want to use the dog for a search or if they want to use the dog for force. But in this case, I had to make the conscious de- decision to u- to utilize the force. I made the decision because I saw that they weren't getting control. This guy's reaching for a weapon. He's been noncompliant. And based on the factors that he's done, I, de- I determined that if I use the dog, there's a good – if he grabs that knife, they're going to shoot his ass. So if – if I use the dog, I can de- hurt, deter him from grabbing the knife, and we just avoided a lethal encounter.
0: You bring up a very good point, point. that's what I wanted to emphasize. Had you not been there with the dog, if this
1: had just been a straight SWAT operation— He would have got shot. There's probably a chance he would have been shot, right? hundred percent. Well, this guy—I'll tell, tell you the story three months later. Of course, you know, we're a little bit liberal down here now uh, in the Houston area, and uh, this guy's out on bond. Three months later, he shoots a cop. And we end up catching him again. Um, he shot a cop in the same neighborhood three months later while he was out on bond for this. Oh my! What happened to the cop? Oh, damn. Uh, he just got shot in the hand. He he returned to work. He's okay. But this guy, this guy, it's horrible. He comes. He shoot. He, he ambushes him. He comes around the corner of a store to try to make contact with the guy because they know who he is because he's done this shit his whole adult life. They go around to make contact. He turns and fires on the deputy and just starts unloading, and hits the deputy. The deputy stop drops, and rolls. Basically, this guy. You can see on the store camera video, he's walking up to execute the cop. He's, you know what I mean? He's closing distance and he's going to put it on him. And the cop just happens to get roll out of the, out of the frame and either his gun jammed or something happened, but he, he turns and then he runs, but he was, he was turning to close distance and execute that cop. And this is the guy that we just had a SWAT standoff with. with, I just told you three months prior and, and, and he's out out on bond. Yeah.
0: How did he make it out on bond Because i am assuming from the area of town that you're talking about uh, hopefully his bond was high enough, but it's like was this just a cash bail thing? they let him
2: out or what' we're doing happened?
1: we're doing we're We're in the midst of bond reform down here um, so you got murderers and capital murderers out on hundred dollars bonds
2: outrageous uh, um,
0: well that's outrageous that's a loss for us. but here's here's the thing. Here's a guy who clearly was about to attack law enforcement had a had a machete out, which could have i mean look you might have all that gear on as a SWAT guy, right? But somebody hits you in your neck with that or gets you through your neck, hits a carotid or stuff. You're dead. I mean, yeah. Hitch. Yeah. Some femoral artery. Yeah. You, I mean, it's people don't realize you're dead on something like that. Um, Absolutely. and this guy is out on bond. I mean, that's unbelievable.
2: Hey, quick question for Chris now. So you're there with a gas mask on. You guys have deployed CSOC tear gas, whatever. Does that gas affect the dog?
1: Um, no the C, the CS gas and some of the other chemical munitions do not. Um, I've cleared I've cleared houses where my gas mask was ineffective, and, and the dog doesn't care. Now the um, OC spray, depending on the, the depending on the um, uh, intensity or the you know the makeup of it, you know how how potent it is, um, that can be an irritant to the dog because it, it affects mucous membranes. Um, but not to the the dogs, not to the degree you or another human would, you know, you or I would affect it as far as, as far as the munitions we use, Zico works without a
2: care. That's good for him.
0: So let's talk a little bit too about how Zico, tell us about the, um, vest that he wears. I mean, how much weight, how much extra weight does that add to Zico and how does that, does that, I mean, obviously there will be some impairment to his mobility, but what's the effect of having that vest?
1: Well, so uh, here, obviously, so um, this is a a kind of a topic that I've had to deal with several times, um, you know, in my position. Um, Based in Houston, obviously, the heat and humidity, we don't like to run the dogs in these ballistic uh, also. They're they're stab-resistant vests also. Um, But depending on the the type of incident will dictate whether or not I put the dog in the vest. Now, um, you know, if I'm doing a, a search in a wooded area, that would, they weigh about probably five pounds, you know, for a dog, but that's, that's, you know, that'd be like me and you wearing 40 pounds, you know, 30 pounds. Um, so Which
0: it, I could stand to lose, I think.
1: Well, yeah, but it's also, you know, in this humidity, the dogs can't sweat like we can. So it, that, that's the key
0: thing I was getting at right there too, because uh, when we talked to Randy Tooman, um, that's what he said, his first dog died on him because of out in the heat and stuff. He didn't realize the signs of that. And that's, that's a very real thing is dogs will continue to work where we will stop and say, look, dude, I've had enough.
1: Dogs will continue to work. You, dogs will work until they fall over. Um, it, it's it's crazy, their drive. Um, but in any case, so I, I I have in my policy that I created, I have situational, right? So like if, if we know the guy's armed and we know he's barricaded, then they shall wear a ballistic puncture uh, resistant vest. If it's an area search or a wooded area or a track, uh, barring any mitigating circum- you know, or circumstances where we know he was shooting at cops or something like that, then they're not required to wear a ballistic vest. But all of my dogs are issued ballistic punctured vest. Our sheriff has actually, uh, been very proactive in Allowing I mean because they 're not cheap, I mean I bought they 're custom i mean they have to be custom i mean these are custom design people don 't really you make vests for like guys
0: like us or ladies ladies actually that 's why for a long time it was difficult to get vests for women because they weren 't designed for women 's you know physique to to take into account the breasts and the curve that you have to make some special vests for that to be comfortable for them. This so that up the price a little bit, but dogs, man, that is some custom, basically real custom design because some dogs are bigger, broader, you know, some dogs are a little bit thinner.
1: And, and, and so it's, you know, it's, vests, vests have come a long way. Um, Initially they were very one size fit all and they look like a, they look like a rifle, soft rifle case.
0: Like taping a telephone book on your back and front. And,
1: and they were ridiculous. (laughs) They were not practical. Um, But the progress, progress we've made with them, like um, we use, uh, not a plug or anything, but we use this place called Recon Canine. um, And they, they, um, they came from a, a, an aeronautical background, so they ha- they use all the you know the aeronautical aluminum, uh, all the fasteners and stuff like that. But they've made very extremely lightweight vests that are still ballistically comparable to the old heavy stuff. Um, but they're form fitting, like the new ones that we just ordered for the dogs that deploy with SWAT. It's a vest that, that bolts onto the dog, but it's got a um, magnetic ballistic panels. So like I can be carrying the panels on me and then if it turns in, so the dog's wearing the tracking vest, but then it turns to shit and I got to put ballistic on him for a barricade. I just slap those on him. So he's not carrying the weight the whole time. Hey, quick question
0: on the vest too, because with officers and law enforcement officers, the National Institutes of Justice have their certification like level two, level three, level three, a three, a plus, you know, level four. Do they have the same NIJ levels for dog vests?
1: They do. The, so the panels are rated through NIJ regardless, whether it's a person or a dog or whatever, and ours are level 3A for the dogs. So that stops up to, I think, what, 7.62 or 5.56? 5, yeah, 5,
0: 6. 7.62, I think. Well, yeah, it could be, too. But the other thing, too, is it stops a lot of the big rounds, too, like 40, 45. 40, 44 Magnum, yeah. Yeah,
1: because those those are how the much, ones that hurt.
2: How much would one of those vests cost, typically? Um, the
1: ones that we ordered were around uh, 3500 each for the SWAT dogs.
2: Whoa! Yeah. Now oh, my you can goodness.
1: you can get your average vest for about fifteen hundred, um, but if you you start getting specialized, that you know, just like anything, specialty, the price goes up.
0: Yeah, Whoa. I I Whoa. ordered some body armor here a couple years ago and stuff. Yeah, um, I mean, so I've got the I've got the level four uh, plates, you know, rifle plates for the front. Back. And there's, but like you say, there are new technologies out there. There was somebody I can't remember if it was MIT or something maybe a California one, but they got to the point, there are some things with carbon, uh, nanofibers, you know, nanocarbon stuff where mm-hmm. it gets so thin is that you could actually put something as bad as, you know, uh, I don't know, half an inch thick or something and that it will absorb the energy of these rounds. And yeah. it's just ridiculous. But again, it's crazy the new technology. Yeah.
2: So it's they, like that, uh, alligator skin or whatever they call it.
0: Well, back in the day, yeah, they called it uh, skin. dragon skin. Dragon skin. Yeah. yeah. Well, Murph, you're thinking alligator skin. You're thinking Big Al in your backyard, right? He's going to be your (laughs) protective vest here pretty soon, huh?
2: Hey, you know, I remember back in the 1970s as a uniform cop in West Virginia, I bought my first second chance vest for $199. Now you see how much it costs. Holy I had cow.
0: my first fest I remember was a th- company called American Body Armor, but it felt like I was wearing a freaking armadillo shell. There was no flexibility. Well, I think you it actually. It on. The, I think the logo was an armadillo for ABA. It, used to, it was. <laughs> <laughs> you put that thing on, man. You couldn't move. You try and bend forward. It, you look like you were doing the robot dance, you know, in discos or something. You had there was no flexibility to where Now these things are so flexible. But I'll tell you what. The other thing too is. You're with, I know you'll be with me on this, you know, tell me I'm right here, Chris. You can tell when somebody hasn't washed their carrier in a while where that thing gets hot and sweaty. No. Oh, you can tell you, oh, yeah.
1: you can tell yourself. I mean, like yeah. you're <laughs> the, you should be the first to know, uh, it's, I was, oh, yeah. I was, uh, I was, it's funny you say that as, you know, I, I got a new dog that I'm training up and, uh, we we're out in the sun all day and, you know, I'd probably been wearing the same outer carrier for about three days. And a uh, friend comes up to me that I hadn't seen in a long time, goes, to give me a high, Oh, I said. Warning, I stink. You know, like I, I could already smell myself. I'm like, hey, bro, back up. Um, but, yeah, they, they, they get right.
2: That's you like get... wearing uh, ice hockey gear, man. You sweat your butt off every time you go oh, on, yeah. on the rink and then you, you know, stick or, it out in the yard and let it air out. Or if
0: you had sons who did wrestling.
1: Yeah. No, we're fortunate. So we'll take our vest to the um, the SWAT guys. Um, they've got a – it's a ion – I don't know what you want to call it, an ion chamber. And basically it sanitizes the vest for us, kills all the bacteria using um, ultraviolet light. So you don't have to wash them, but it'll kill the, it's a sanitizing machine, wow. so it works it pretty the good. the stink. Oh, that's God. the
0: biggest thing. I don't care about germs, but it just, I don't want to be smelling like that when I hop into the car.
1: Oh, man, that's, you know, people always laugh, and, you know, the first thing you got to realize about being a canine guy is you become nose deaf, because, like, you, you, people get in your car and, like, man, that smells like shit in here. You stink. You know, like, I'm like, what? I cleaned it yesterday. What do you mean? I don't you smell know. anything. Yeah.
2: What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny.
0: Hey, well, let's talk a little bit about your work now in um, your role now, because, and I want to talk about what you're doing with canines for cops. So, in your role now, you're sergeant. What does that mean to be in charge of all the canines? What are you responsible for? How many canines are you have you got working now?
1: Uh, we have uh, 25 canines in the sheriff's office, um, and I'm the day shift um, admin sergeant and lead trainer. Um, so I'm responsible for, you know, day-to-day operations of my squad, which is 12, 12 handler teams. Um, but also, um, I oversee all the annual training and make sure that everybody's training is done. Make sure that the dogs all pass certification, make sure the dogs are up to speed, make sure that, you know, all the things that the dogs are ready to to roll. Um, I'm also involved with all the training, you know, the, the day in day out stuff, but, uh, um, I, I get to make the decisions on the uh, status of dogs health, you know, health wise or um, operational status if they're if they're not cutting it or if their health is deteriorating or if they're just old. We need to retire them. Um, do a lot of uh, we're a regional uh, training facility. We uh, I've tried real hard in my tenure to grow. Uh, and with the help of Canines for Cops, we've grown our. Our status, we're the regional training provider for the greater South Texas area. People come to us for class, they come for us for maintenance training. Uh, I'm a certifying official with the NNDDA, um, so I certify dogs, um, you know, to make sure they they're, they meet the standard. Every dog has to carry a certification to be uh, uh, a law enforcement canine, uh, and then, of course, I coordinate with Christy, uh, you know, putting on. So uh, my role with Christy and Canines for Cops is I, I help vet uh, agencies that are applying for dogs, I'll make sure that they have the resources, you know, because we can give anybody a dog, right? And Christy would – that's her heart. She would give anybody a dog. But the
0: support – But if you can't support a dog, there's no sense in giving you a dog. Right.
1: I can't give you a dog if you don't have the the purchase, if you don't have the money for vet care, if you don't have dog food taken care of, if you don't have a a vehicle outfitted with the safety features for the dog. I have to make sure that all these agencies that Christy wants to give dogs to meet the criteria and are willing to support the canine. Because not just the the, the equipment and logistics, but people don't realize that you're required to give 16 hours a month of training to these dogs just for maintenance. That doesn't count the handler time. That doesn't count the all the extra stuff that goes into it. And a lot of people, you know, they're
0: not a family pet. You just don't put a leash on them and and walk them around. These are, these are working dogs and it's like, what's like your marksman skills. It's like driving or training, whatever. If you don't
1: train, you lose the edge. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff that goes into it. And a lot of people, you know, the eyes are bigger than their stomach, right? Everybody wants a canine program. You know, everybody wants the T-shirt. Um, but sometimes you're like, well, you Nobody know... Nobody
0: wants to do the work it takes to get there. Everybody wants the the benefit, right? Well, do
1: I have to send them for 12 weeks of class? Well, yeah. <laughs> yes, you do.
0: <laughs> you know, but
1: <laughs> yeah. Why are we having this conversation? You well, know... can I
0: send them one week a year for 12 years? Will that be okay?
1: Exactly. And, and you'd be surprised... It's funny only because it's true. Like, people don't... And I, and I say I, it because I've heard it before. They want to figure out...
0: Well, look... Pray, you can't get you can't get nine women together who are one month pregnant and say, I've got a full term baby. It just doesn't work that way. Right. You got to You got to be there for the nine months with that. You got to be there for the 12 weeks with the dog.
1: And it's like we talked about that even the 12 weeks, that that is the basic level of uh, of proficiency. Right. You're still not like what I would call a it takes, I would say, two years before you're at least with me that I trust you as a dog team. You know what I mean? Like three months of training. That's a, that's the tip of the iceberg. And then you have people that are like, well, can't we just do four weeks? Well, no, you can't because the, the dog needs to see as much that, well, not just the dog, but the handler, the team needs to be exposed to as many potential scenarios as possible in order to become proficient and effective. The, the more they see, the more likely they are to succeed. The less they see and the less successful encounters they have, the more likely you are to have a failure.
0: Well, yeah, how many how many lawsuits are you willing to take on because you sent your exactly. guy to four weeks of training as opposed, a girl, as opposed to 12 weeks of training? You know, it's a, it's a reduction in risk. Hey, quick question, though. Out of all of your dogs you have in Harris County now, how many have come courtesy of Canine for Cops?
1: Um, <laughs> Jesus. Um, I can't tell you the exact number, but I know Christie's given us an excess of 30 dogs over the years, probably more than that. Hey, just put a... Just so people understand,
0: put a value on that. What's the value of getting thirty dogs provided, and not the training and everything, but just the value of having thirty dogs provided you? How much has that saved the taxpayers of Harris County?
1: Um, probably, it's probably more than that because you know some dogs are more than others, but on average, a dog's about fifteen grand. So you figure that's about half a million dollars, four fifty, right there, for conservatively, just in dogs.
2: Yeah, she sent she she sent us a number. She's you guys are getting close to forty dogs that, yeah. that she's gifted wow. over to. I mean, every dog, every dog, Fantastic.
1: Every dog that is currently in service with the sheriff's office, my agency has been gifted by Canines for Cops. My agency has not bought a dog, okay, because of Christy's generosity, it has not bought a dog since two thousand ten.
2: Oh my God, standing, that's it's
1: freaking great. Um, and you know
2: we we haven't we haven't had the opportunity to meet Christy yet, but you love this lady already. You know what? Yeah, no, she's what she's doing for law enforcement. She, she's,
1: she's she's got more drive than a Belgian mountain wall right? She she does not <laughs> stop. That is for sure. Um, she's allowed us to like. There's a lot of things that you know, um, career wise. If you know, obviously, I like to give back because a lot of the things that. I would say, like, make me good at what I do, or because of um, exposure and classes and people and the contacts that I've met through her in the canine community, and a lot of the things or the, I don't know what you want to call it, but a lot of the um, the philosophies that I use in training dogs is a conglomerate of all the people and the contacts that I've been exposed to. And you know, I'm, I'm not proud. I'll steal your shit. You know, like, you know, if it works, I'm taking it. Um, and and you learn from everything. And that's kind of the way I look at it. Is I've taken bits and pieces of everything I like. And then I throw away the shit that I don't like and just save it in case I need it. But then the stuff that I like and I make it my own. Um, and, you know, and for our part at the sheriff's office or my part is because Christy in the organization, gives us so many dogs and so much training and she's never said no to me. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I always, I've always, always laugh. He's like, baby. Yeah. Okay, baby. Yeah. She, you can have it. Um, anything that I can do, for them I'm going to do. And usually what that means is when, when I can do it, I usually try to have two to three classes a year and those are three month classes, but any, any canine for cops dog that wants to come to my class comes for free. So they don't, the agency that's, you know, obviously they're asking for a dog cause they can't afford it. Right. So can they really afford to spend $4,500 on a training class either? So I reciprocate to canines for cops because we coordinate the basic training class and we allow anybody – I've had people come from South Carolina and, and come to our class. Um, you know, we put the class on for free. Um, and anybody that's willing to come or wants to come, more than welcome.
2: Well, you know, you said that you've never told her no. Uh, or
1: I've tried. It doesn't she's work. She's
2: never told you no. Have you ever told her no?
1: I have. Um, I tell I tell her – usually it's because she wants to do more. Um, and Christy's, Christy is what I call the queen of – Um, she looks at things from like 15,000 feet, right? Whereas I look at things from a thousand feet, I'm looking at operational. Christy's looking at this big scheme and she's always got these big, great ideas. And some of the time you have to tell her no, because like, Hey, there's hey, Christy, there's pitfalls, or we can't do it this way. Or we, you know, you have to be the, I call it the voice of reason. And I try to tell her like, Hey, we can't do it this way. Well, that doesn't deter her. She she just finds. She just finds another way to do it. She finds a better way to do it. But <laughs> the, 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 the no part for me would be is like only a voice of concern, um, because you'll learn with Christy if she wants to do something, she's going to do it with or without you. It's, it's going to be gonna, done. It's going to get done. Hey, quick question, too,
0: because you mentioned that you vet a lot of the people of all the agencies who apply to get a dog from Canine for Cops. Uh, what percentage end up getting a dog? How many do you have to turn down simply because they can't meet the requirements?
1: Um, I can say this, we've never turned down an agency like uh, with a, what I would call a hard no. Um, ultimately, we we probably have a hundred applications that are always in queue. I mean, it's just, you know, we get more than we, we get more applications than we can give dogs um, physically annually, right? Um, there have been several occasions where people, like I said, their eyes are bigger than their stomach. They uh, typically what happens is somebody wants a dual purpose. They want a bite dog but they're like a four or five man department and they've never had a canine unit. They don't have a canine policy. They don't have a program set up. They have nothing established, but they want a, a bite dog, which is inherently more liability than a narcotics dog. You follow? Um, so a lot of, a couple of times I've had to say, Hey, um, you, you guys don't have the infrastructure to support a patrol canine or an apprehension canine yet. We will gladly give you a single purpose narcotics or a tracking canine but until you can demonstrate, you know, one to two years of successful canine use, right, or, or existence, um, before we would give them a um, a dog that's used for force. Um, so it's just, well, a,
2: to just and also to demonstrate that their jurisdictions willing to commit the funds it, to keep that going.
1: Exactly. Um, it, but we, like I said, that's one thing. Christy doesn't want to say no to anybody. Um, And and, and so it's more not no, it's just not not right now. If you want
0: to get one, here's what you have to do.
1: Yep. Or or, hey, um, if you you know, we didn't get to you last year because, you know, this this agency needed a dog first. You're still on the list. But every year we say, hey, if you're still interested, you you just renew your application. So you just update it for the new fiscal year so that we know you're still interested, because eventually you will from canines for Cops. Eventually you will get a dog.
0: Right. As long as you can meet that, like say, hit, hit that criteria. Cause you know, I think, well, that's the part I love about it is that you're just not through, it's not just about giving dogs away. It's about, this is a tool for law enforcement. And I would no more want to give you a weapon that you said, well, I'm not going to clean my weapon. I'm never going to oil it. I'm never going to go to the range. Then why am I giving you a weapon? Well, why am I giving you a dog if you don't agree to clean and oil it, you know, and take care of it on a regular basis?
1: It's a tool. Yes. But it's also a living thing. And I'm not, you know, what kind of, what kind of bastard would give somebody a dog that's, you know, that I know you're not going to take care of it or you treat it right. You know what I mean? There's a, there's a million things, not just, are you going to deploy it and use it right? Are you going to mistreat it? Are you going to, are you, you know what I mean? Is it going to be cared for properly? These are things that nobody wants to see a, you know, dogs, you know, nobody wants to see a dog hurt or mistreated um, or misused for that matter. So that's where for us, it's very important that we vet these people, these agencies like, Hey, look, we want to give you this tool, but we need to make sure that it's, it's good for, a good fit for you and for the animal. Um, and, and, and the, in the citizens in your, in your population too, we don't want to give somebody a dog that's going to be misused either you know like you don't have any policy on how to use it and you're just you know like i, I gave you the analogy and it's
0: running up and down the street biting everybody
2: well, that's
1: not going to go well pal the shoplifter from oh, walmart i mean and you're sending that you know we don't want people to have dogs like that at least not from us right that's what we're here for
2: that's going to kill your budget and i just i want to read one thing that uh how christy described you to us oh lord that uh you said you said on a board you are her right hand man at canines for cops and that you've also overseen the 140,000 hours plus of training to provide all the Leos, the law enforcement officers that are getting these dogs. So you are extremely high, highly thought of there, brother. Oh, good no, right. a marine. Um, Thank you. Absolutely.
1: No, she she uh, she is always like she's taking me under her wing, you know, so obviously um, you're only as good as the support you have. And so she's allowed me to um, – Basically, I'm OCD by nature, but she's allowed me to be OCD. And, uh, you know, I, I'll never say, no, I can't do that. Um, so she's allowed me to take on things and do things. And like I said, I I want to give back and I want to make sure that these, you know, I can't afford to give people dogs like Canines for Cops can, but I can make sure that the dogs that they get, get the proper training and the handlers get the training so that they're set up for success when they go to work. I can't stand to see, you know, in my in my profession, I've seen like I said, we call them the t-shirt wearers, you know, everybody has them, you know, where they, they, they got the rubber stamp and they, and Hey, I'm, I'm canine or Hey, I'm SWAT or Hey, I'm whatever, right. I'm high speed, low drag, but do they do the work? Is the dog proficient? And I've seen, unfortunately, a dog that I've seen that was great, you know, ready to rock and roll a year. And then a year later you see it and you could tell that dog been sitting on the couch eating potato chips because it's fat, it's out of shape. And that you know, you, you can tell, right. If people put work in.
0: Murph, has he been right. looking in on your couch?
2: Hey, I, I was doing that last night, watching TV. i would be the first to admit. Hey, but, Me you, and, and but you're retired wavy now. Wavy Lays, brother. We're, wavy Lays. We're good friends.
0: Wavy Lays, yeah. So I'm, now I'm, still, I'm still out <laughs> humping it. I'm hitting the bike, you know, the Peloton, going outside riding. So uh, I got to keep this figure, you know, because according to Sherry, one of her girlfriends thinks I have a sexy voice.
2: Yeah, wait till she gets to know you.
0: Yeah, so that's what I <laughs> want to tell everybody. go, Hey, glad to <laughs> meet you. Yeah, wait till you get to know me. That may change. Hey, Chris, <laughs> let's let's end up with this. Um, Some point you're going to have to leave the sheriff's office. What's your dream job when you leave the sheriff's office?
1: You know, I honestly hadn't thought of it, but I, I, I kind of envisioned still playing with dogs um, in some form or fashion. You know, I, I've said that uh, canine is the best kept secret in law enforcement. Um, it keeps people young. Um, because I get to, I mean, you know, despite politics, despite the way the things are sometimes with law enforcement, I get to go to work and play with dogs. Um, so no matter how you slice it, you know, it keeps it fresh and, um, it's a double-edged sword, you know, like for example, you know, I had Duke retire and, and ultimately pass away. And now, you know, Zico, who was the young stud is now nine. And he's looking at me crazy when I brought this new dog, Rex. He looked at me like, traitor, you know, like, what are you doing? Um, and, uh, but so it's a double edged sword because you hate to see, you know, the dogs get older faster than us, you know, and, and ultimately leave before us. Uh, so, but you get, but it's a new, because every time I get a new dog, it's like, it's like a jump start, It's a refresher. It's a new spark because now I've got a whole new set of problems and a whole new set of communication that I got to work out with this new dog that doesn't know, you know, it's you got to build trust. So I've had this dog for about three days and I'm out here feet, hand feeding him in my backyard every day, you know, uh, it, it, it's always a new process. So it keeps you, like I said, it keeps it, it keeps it fun and keeps it interesting because there's no two dogs are the same. And so you get to, you get to learn, um, you know, you can't communicate with them other than, you know, I can't talk to them and reason with them. So it's through, through correction or through positive reinforcement or through reward based. And, and, and when you, when you make that connection, um, uh, to me, that's the most exciting part is you, you like, if people saw what Zika, Zico was a great dog when I got him. But if you saw the difference between when Zico was two, when Zico was six, when I first started doing a lot of stuff with him, the difference, right? And, you know, that that's the cool part to me is you, is you see what you can put into a dog. It, it, it amazes me.
2: You know, I like to say that uh, just because we retire doesn't mean that our oaths expired. We all took an oath to defend the Constitution and our and our fellow man. And I predict right now that, you know, when your time does come to pull the pin, And, uh, you know, we say go to pasture, but that's not what you do. You're going to continue to do what you've been doing all along. And that's still serving the public. Uh, You know, we are public servants and that's a badge of honor in my book.
0: I see a role in canine for cops. I see you uh, you really expanding that out because she's got a lot of good people that's helping her out. But you know what? But a lot of these folks are still active duty like you, like Randy, like Ted, right? So at some
1: point. Yeah, we've we've talked about that, and and you know, obviously, I don't like to um, count count on anything because you know, time and things change. Um, but that is definitely something that's in the back of my head of something. I still probably got I got young kids, so I have probably got another ten years to go. Um, realistically, unless, unless something, you know, I always tell people I'd be a janitor if the money was right, you know, but... Um, no, you wouldn't because janitors don't have
0: canines and you're not... Can, you, you wouldn't be a janitor <laughs> because you didn't want to work in the jail either. So that's the version of uh, being a janitor in law enforcement. That's,
1: that's true. That's true. However, you know, as we get older too... They're, they're
0: important jobs. Don't get me wrong. I don't want hate mail. They're important jobs, but it's routine, right? It's, it's You want something that is not routine, something that when you wake up the next morning, you go, all right, Zuko, what are we going to get into today?
1: Well, you know, it, it's like, you know, it, it's, it's, that's the best part, you know, like I said, I, I'm, I'm fortunate, um, um, just by, by, by luck and interaction, I guess our, our paths crossed, you know? And so, um, canines for cops and Christy Schiller, the, the, the amount of exposure, number one, but also the amount of support given and, and you know, like it's easy to be successful when you have support. Um, those of us that are not successful or have lack of support, it just makes it that much more difficult. And the amount of support that canines for cops has given, not just my agency, but hundreds of agencies, you know, I mean, it, it's, 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 it's humbling because like I said, she's never told me, no, when I came to her and not just for my department, but I'm talking about like, I've had agencies that like, you know, they, they call and you know, cause you know, people, right? Like you've been around people and you have connections through work and stuff and somebody calls you and they said, Hey. Uh, you know, my dog just, you know, he's, my dog's dying of cancer. You know, um, I can call literally because of the reputation or the the uh, rapport I have with Christy, I've been able to say, Hey, look, this is a case by case deal. Can we, you know, this, these people are in dire need. They use the dog. They have these needs, blah, 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 blah. And usually if I tell her a, a, a scenario or a story and and it makes sense to her, she's always made it happen. Right. And not just for me, but think about the other agencies that like, they only had two dogs in their agency and one of them goes down Well, you just cut their workforce in half. And she's like, Hey, you know, go make it happen. Like, and not, not like, Hey, we'll get to it. But like, no, she's the type of person. No. Yeah, baby. Call them, tell them to go over here to this kennel and pick a dog tomorrow. Like, you know what I mean? Like that type of shit, that that's volumes of what, you know what I mean? Like, to have that relief, you know, you know, like I've been there when, when I didn't know I was getting another dog, I'm like, man, I'm gonna be pulling Duke around. I made the joke. I'm gonna put him on caster <laughs> wheels and stuff. him when he dies, cause I'm gonna be pulling this dead dog around cause we can't afford one. And, put him in my red flyer wagon and take him everywhere I go. And when, and when somebody go. says, when somebody gives, is, when somebody is the answer to your prayers or, you know what I mean? Like they give you the, the solution to your problem, that weight that's lifted off because the handlers take it on themselves. You know, like it's the agency's responsibility for the dog but the handlers bear that because that's their dog or their partner and they want a dog and they they want to do this passion and to have somebody come in and say I got you go get your dog I mean that like I said that that, that brought common. brought me to tears you know like when I got Zico I I mean I you know grown ass man crying you know so that relief that sense of being taken care of that kind of support that's that's rare you know so um, you know, Absolutely. that's why I do anything I can for him because I've, I've been on that side.
2: Well, you know, let me, let me just say here, uh, I think we're getting ready to close out here, but, uh, it's been a true honor to have you on here, Chris. Thank you for taking the time. Uh, we had to reschedule, uh, for some equipment issues and you have been more than easy to work with. I know you're busier than shit. You know, you got a lot going on. You got a family, you got your dog, you got your career, you got canines for cops. So. God bless you for everything you do, but also God bless you for, for being partnered up with Christy Schiller, canines for cops, canines for kids. Uh, folks, if you don't know what that is, just look at the Google it, take a look at it, see if it's something you want to support. Uh, this lady has just, it's just unbelievable. You know, I know she got, uh, and Steve Harvey show. she got one of, uh, 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 Harvey's Heroes Awards. We saw the the YouTube video for that. That's just simply not enough. To, you know, saying thank you is not enough. Christy, you're, you're fantastic. Uh, Morgan, I just hope we get the opportunity to meet you in person someday. And and Chris, brother, Godspeed. God keep you safe out there. You and everybody, you're doing you're doing the Lord's work, brother. And i just proud to. I can't tell you how proud we are to have you on the show today. No, I appreciate yeah.
1: y'all having me.
0: People can't see this, but this is me saluting you, Marine, first of all, for serving our country, serving your community. Oh, come on. Get that salute up there. Get that thumb. Come on, please. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, oh, I fired. That's right. We're on cameras.
1: But see, also, uh, uh, I'm not supposed to do it without a cover on. So uh, that's a Marine Corps. Can't
0: do it without a cover. Got to have a cover well, on. Yeah. Well, you got you got a headset on, so that's technically a cover. There you go. And all I've right, got, sir.
2: I, and I frequently salute Morgan, and you can figure out what that's <laughs> yeah. all about. Yeah. So.
0: It's usually his IQ or number of friends he has left after me, so.
2: But it's all uh, done with love.
0: It's all done with love. <laughs> hey, man, no, so Chris, seriously, man, real, it's an honor. And you know, the thing is, for me, it's the passion you have for doing this. You—you, you, you, This is not just a routine job. Nobody gets into this number one for the paycheck. Uh, nobody gets into this because they just want to be, have a boring job, but for you to continue to do this, serve your community, serve the, uh, but you know, the big thing, serving the other agencies like you do, making sure other communities other than Harris County, get this, Mm -hmm. get these dogs, get these people that are trained to be able to use the dogs effectively. Dude, you're, you're making a huge impact. Uh, and by the way, a couple of your dogs have ended up in Kansas, which is my original stomping grounds, Parsons, Kansas. So I know the places. So. I appreciate the fact that you're helping do your job keeping all of America safe, not just your little patch of heaven down there in Texas where it's very humid and it sucks in the summer.
1: So. <laughs> yeah, it definitely does that.
0: <laughs> all, right. all right. Well, everybody, let's. we're going to bring this to a close. Chris, again, once again, thank you, buddy. Everybody stay tuned for the debrief. And I told you, Chris mm-hmm. saved that guy's life. Had he not let the dog loose to take him out before he raised that machete, that SWAT team was going to ventilate him uh, and kill him. And so, I mean, you make these split decisions. People – here's the thing. And, and this is one thing, again, we we don't – we're there's not a political statement. It's just more of an operational – the way you have to think – Cops have to make decisions in split seconds that other people get the luxury of hours, days, and months to go review. So try putting yourself into a position to where you have to make a split-second decision to turn that dog loose because you see he's reaching for a machete. Had Mm -hmm. Chris not been there with that dog and the guy picked up the machete, he was a threat to the officers they would have shot and killed him.
2: Absolutely. And you know what's also amazing is that the dog, with all the SWAT guys right there, knew who to go after. He knew to go after that bad guy. It's, it's just, this is phenomenal. I mean, it's the, the the dedication of these animals, you know, that they will protect their handler at the cost of their own life many times. You got to love them. I mean, you just got to love them. It's it's fantastic.
0: Well, and then going after that capital murder suspect, this guy had killed three people already, mm-hmm. you know, and they working with the family, which is good. Look, the family didn't want him to get shot. They know he had done wrong. They wanted to bring him in. They wanted to bring him in safely. Mm-hmm. And as you found out in the episode, they were able to bring him down safely. Now the guy had a couple bite marks but sucks to be you, pal. You, know? yeah. he's you should like, have given that, up. Yeah, I should have given up. And so when Chris was saying good boy, he wasn't talking about the guy giving himself up. He was talking about Zico you know, <laughs> and uh, his dog. Good boy. Good boy. Doing his
2: job. Doing, Doing his, his job. job. This is great.
0: Well, and we'll have some more um, episodes later on down the road coming in because we've got some ones about uh, the canines for kids talking about the dogs they're using in school. So we're, we're getting those episodes uh, set up. We've got some other stuff coming up, too, that'll be teed up. A friend of mine who used to be a lieutenant uh, with the uh, NYPD cold case squad out of one of the precincts. We got him and one of his detectives talking about some famous rap stars and some murders that went on that they investigated. But I think Steve, we need to get, we need to get JP lined up because this is episode 49 and we got episode 50 coming up. So we need to do something, you know, it's the 50th episode. So I'm thinking, um, a story that I don't think has really been told adequately. And it's Pablo's hippos.
2: I'm liking it. I'm liking it. It's, uh, you know, and I don't want to say too much about it right now because we'll do a whole episode on it, but it's, it's phenomenal. What has taken down, taken place down there. Javier and I, I mean, we've got pictures of all the exotic animals that Escobar had on his ranch and we use them in our presentation, but it's all true. It's, it's amazing. What's true, but you know, another guest that we're uh, getting ready to interview here, Morgan, a man, I'm not going to mention his name yet, but a man who was a, an award-winning national football league player. Yep. For numerous years and then decided to become a DEA agent. Uh, Phenomenal story. This is one of the, I love this guy to death. We've worked together uh, numerous times over the year. I can't wait for you guys to hear his story. So he's going to be coming up real soon also. I mean, it's just, we got a special, special guest. Um, We
0: got maybe two special guests. And with one of these special guests, I've actually been on the front cover of a magazine with him.
2: Cool. So, We'll talk about that's the, that's the taller one. So lots of good stuff coming up.
0: Oh yeah. And so if we get this, like I said, we are, but we're not just, we're just not pimping you guys out. We actually have had contact with a major motion movie picture movie star Mm -hmm. and um, we've already, you've been in contact with him and we, we had a date set, but then filming changed things. So I think we're going to get it done here in the next couple of weeks.
2: Yep. And the other guy, we're not going to tell you his name yet, but But I'm going to tell you it's, yeah, you're going to recognize it as soon as you hear it.
0: You're gonna and by the way too at the end of May going into June Steve and I will both be in San Diego at the Southern California Gang Conference mm-hmm. courtesy of Mel Sosa who's doing us a real solid by uh, letting us come out there or especially me because he doesn't know me and he's taking a big chance letting me anywhere near the town the of the San truth? Diego isn't that the truth it is but we just got our <laughs> new remote podcasting equipment in so we will be doing remote podcasts from down there. We will be collecting some of the funnest stories. And I think, Steve, one thing we're going to do, we're going to have a segment, which I wrote down here because we did it on another one when we're having fun talking about some of our best practical jokes. We're going to get a collection of the best practical jokes cops have played on each other and just turn that into an episode, I
2: think. (laughs) There there will be no identities given. There'll be no agencies mentioned (laughs) because there's some crazy shit that goes on. And it's going to be funny
0: too, because you know a lot of guys are going to say, "Well, hey, look, you, you can't show my face, dude. It's a fucking podcast. Yeah, yeah.
2: we're not video; we're just audio.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, well, but we, maybe we'll take a selfie, like some of our criminals have. And, you know, <laughs> put that up there. Anyway, anyway. Hopefully, hopefully you guys enjoyed this. We just want to give you a tease of what's coming yeah. on. So, I think episode fifty, we got to get JP lined up, but I think we'll do Pablo's hippos. And guys, there is some stuff behind it you won't believe the impact it's had on the country of Colombia. So we'll leave it right, at that. Right. We'll have some fun, and we want to thank you guys once again for playing the most pet-friendly, unadulterated, big bad, and uh, as always, the biggest, baddest, most dangerous game of all, the original Game of Crimes.